it's so bad. Depression can be so bad if I didn't know that I'm out of here. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Back, man. We're back, brother. Hey, man, we at it again. Glad you could join us. You missed the uh, the Ryan Lucas no, piece. Shout out to Ryan, man. That's my homie, man. I know it was good, man. It was, man. We wanted to keep it going. Yes, sir. We got a new guest. Yes, sir. DJ Bro, DJ Brody Rose. Yes, only yes, knows. Yep. The dope lows. The dope <laughs> With the dope lows. lows. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, brother. Yes, sir. Welcome, man. Hello. How you doing? It's bro, DJ. <laughs> what did we say? I said DJ. Talking about another dude that we just... Shout out to Brody, DJ. too, man. What was that DJ's name? Brody who? Brody, DJ man. Bobby Johnson? Brody Johnson, man. That's Johnson, Johnson B. Uh, That's my homie, man. Shout out to Brody. But it's bro, DJ. Father. Yes, sir. Jordan lover. Yeah. Lego lover. Artist. Yep. Star Wars lover. Ooh. Yep. Creative, yeah, dope All motherfucking human being. Yeah, what's your Sorry, favorite Star Wars language. movie? Show, sure. canon entity. Canon, canon. What's your favorite Star Wars? Never heard that. Peace. Uh, I mean, I guess Empire, but um, I really have enjoyed Mandalorian. Nice. Really, nice. I just watched it the second time with the with my daughters. Yeah. And liked it even more and appreciated it even more. Like, oh, this is actually really good. I lost interest, man, after like the, f what season are they on now? Well, they're on Boba Fett now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boba Fett first season. And the last two episodes involved the Mandalorian and kind of like brought it together, which yeah. was, yeah. I fully endorse it. Both yeah. Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Yeah, Boba Fett was good. But anyway, I grew up, I mean, I grew up with Star Wars Empires and Return, so. An anime they did for Star Wars for, was that, Bo was that Boba Fett? What was that for? They've done anime? a lot. I haven't. More recent one. I haven't been involved in with the, the Shogun, Shogun with the lightsaber. It was like animated shorts. Remember how. Don't uh, look at me, man. I don't watch cartoons. I'm an adult. Remember how the Matrix did the, you know what I'm talking about, right? The Matrix did the shorts, Animatrix. Yeah. You guys don't remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that in Matrix. Yes. They did good. something like that for Star Wars. I need to look into it. So, it sounds great. It's dope. So, <laughs> what? really what got me back into Star Wars was Legos. Nice. Because it, it was a while ago, and uh, like, those are Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Or Star Wars Legos. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. So it was like, Pfft. The game? You ever, my kids love the game. The Lego Star Wars video game? Not a gamer. They love the game. That's what I thought you were talking about. The game. The rapper. I thought we shifted no, gears. Shout out to him. <laughs> no, don't shout out to the. No, no. You don't like don't, the game? No, I don't like the game, dude. You don't like the game. Documentary. Which one? The only one that matters. <laughs> the, fir the first one. No, I don't know. So when you say you don't like the game as a person, 
or not as a rapper? He's cool as a rapper. Like, his first album was cool. When did you hang out with him as a person? Like, I got, me and him was cool. Yeah. And then we just stopped Fell being out. cool. Yeah. I asked him to borrow some money. He said, <laughs> he said, nah. It happens, man. It happens. So can we have a serious conversation now, man? Do you want to just keep... I don't know if it's going to get serious. Yeah, it's <laughs> all downhill from here, bro. It is. It is, bro. So... Roller coasters, you forgot. That's the main jam. Really? What? Huh. The main... E- even now? Hold on. So take a, let's take a step back. Roller coasters is like above all of that. Roller coasters what? What are we talking about? Hold up. Let's rewind. Whoop, whoop. I want to start a little further back because I think we're going to knock all this shit out as we go through the process. <laughs> Star Wars, roller coasters, Jordan, hip hop, da 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 da. It's a lot of shit. But I feel if we start back early, we'll get to that all through that, right? I'm so, just saying, yeah. Huh? I felt bad for roller coasters because you left that out, and that's like I don't even. So that's you know I, that piece you bought from me had that had so right, but that's it. I see more. Hold on. All right. That's because you don't follow the coaster doodler. You don't know anything about the coaster doodler, Brody. We uh. have a process here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That you keep trying to yeah, circumvent. Yeah, the inside conversations. Nobody, <laughs> I'm like the audience, like, what the fuck are they talking about? All right. Brody. Yep. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> like. He with us, man. He, he trolling us on our own podcast. Why you, bro. why you trolling us, man? You come all this way to troll us. Right. Listen. We could have done this over the phone if you was gonna troll us. So I missed something. <clears throat> and if I miss something, that means some other people may have missed something. So to that point, tell us where you're from. Like, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Mm. <laughs> I was born in Hawaii. No joke. <laughs> it's no totally. joke. Honolulu, Hawaii. Where you? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, my dad was in the uh, Navy. Oh. Okay. Now I was there all but four months before we moved to... Rhode Island, Maryland. <laughs> we were moving around a while. and uh, Yes, so I was born in Hawaii. Do you have a place that you call home where, that, you, that, you, that, that, that you associate most of your Probably childhood Northern, with? Northern Virginia. Really? Yeah, I, uh, I was there from sixth grade to 12th grade. So Nice. What part of Northern Virginia? Off Route 1, Alexandria. What school did you go to? Uh, Mount Vernon, uh, West Potomac. Okay. But I was in the uh, Waynewood area and then moved over to Cool Spring. Went to Carl Sandburg. You familiar West with that? Nope. Okay. Walt Whitman? You want to know Walt Whitman? I do know Walt Whitman. Close enough. So anyway, uh, I would say I'm a... So from DMV? sixth grade on, your dad being in the Navy, Yeah, he was, moved- at, the Pen- he was at the Pentagon. You moved around a lot. From 6 to 12? No, up till 6. Yeah, yeah. Florida. What was, what was that like as a kid trying to 
connect and having to let go and move on was that was that something that you that you recognized early on or it was just a part of life and you could just do it pretty easy it was a part of my life i could do it easy um i think athletics had a lot to do with it being involved in sports and yeah that was really helpful would you play um started soccer then i saw uh no joke i saw i saw uh I saw Jordan. <laughs> I had never played basketball, and uh, really saw <laughs> saw Jordan, and just became um, fascinated. Wow! What was it about? That was, it? that was sixth grade. Yeah, when you were here. Yep, it was. Um, yeah, I was phasing out of soccer. I got burnt out, um, and uh, basically picked up the basketball, and that was it. So, what was it about Jordan that you that you saw that you liked? I mean, it, I guess just the physical ability, like dunking. Like I was just mesmerized, just yeah. you know his what he could do, and um, uh, yeah, I was just I couldn't get enough. <laughs> this pro, this pro Jordan, not not college Jordan. Right. So this was like the day I um, I realized like he was on TV and stuff. It was the day after. The 88 dunk contest. Oof. So I was able to, I remember seeing the 89, all, 88 all-star game, but I just missed like the, the epic contest between him and uh, Dominique. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I became, it was Jordan and roller coasters. <laughs> Jordan and roller coasters. So now we, <laughs> now we come to the roller coaster portion. And, but, but I was, I, I had a legit basketball. I was awful. Because like, that was going to be my question. Could you play? Not, not from the, not from the get go. But I you, had the, I had the physical ability, but um, I was not a ball player to begin with. Yeah. But you know, by eighth grade, I was. Yeah, soccer is <laughs> one of them sports that you can really, you can parlay it into anything. Football. Yeah, athletically, I was there. And aerobic, you just had to get the fundamentals there, down. I, I don't know dribbling that. Yeah. No lie, the first practice I ever was ever at, and this was sixth grade, uh, Fort Hunt League, and uh, I was playing defense, and the dude was like, "You're on my team." <laughs> I mean, you're on my, you know, I was supposed to be offense. <laughs> <laughs> so you really weren't watching it either. Huh? You weren't watching the game. <laughs> you just saw Jordan Duncan. You thought I'm gonna do that? Yeah, that was that was the catalyst, man. And I, you know, but. A few years later, I was, I could play. So wait a minute. So you were on a team and not in that bad? Yeah, it was my first year of organized ball, sixth grade. Um, I, I knew nothing. Man. I mean, I should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it that. Was pra- it, was pra- it wasn't a game. It was practice. Okay. Practice. Was, we practice? talking about Practice. Yes, we're talking about practice. So you know, it was like three on three or whatever we were doing at the yeah, time. And yeah, I, I start. So I've uh, <laughs> I've coached like when my kids were young. I coached basketball around that same age, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and there always is a kid that has just like that, but they always end up being the person that's going to win you a game every because they start from nothing. And they're just so excited to learn mm. and they and everything they soak it up. Mm. And then when it can't, because you know the good kids are gonna be good, right? The two or three good kids you have. 
But that one kid that's learning, mm-hmm. once he gets it, he's going to be the one that wins you a game. You know what it was for me, too, was starting late. Yeah. Because I, it was all new to me. It was fresh. Like soccer, I got burnt out. It was done. And you were already athletic, too. So, What was the demographics like on the basketball team? White. Oh, okay. But I don't know if we want to get it. I mean, yeah, that's a – go ahead. Four Hunt League was predominantly white. Okay. This was just like a house league? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but then Carl, Carl Sandberg was, was a good mix. Um, what grade was that? Seventh and eighth. Okay, so junior high. You did the sixth. And junior high, seventh grade I was all right, but eighth grade I was, I could hold it down on the court. That's crazy how you and like I could and like I wore Jordans like and I could get away with that with it without getting clowned or whatever you know like because you had you could play. That's crazy that you went from not knowing offense and defense in three years to being a ball player. Two years. Two years. <laughs> I'm gonna need you, bro. You represent both of us. Eight minus six is two. I just don't do that. That's, that looks makes us look bad. All right, my bad. Dang. So, even this is even a funny story too. <laughs> Two gonna say three years. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the greatest uh, gifts I ever got was from my dad, my mom and dad, Santa. <laughs> this is seventh grade, and uh, uh, they they sent me to Michael Jordan basketball camp. Whoa! Wow. So that was like. Yeah, you know, I was on cloud nine. Yeah. What how what what grade was this? Seventh. Oh. And uh, I was still shooting with two two hands. <laughs> Something great. Woo. Was he did he show up? Yeah. Yeah, he did. That but, was huge, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I think on one of my evaluation it did say something about you got to learn how to shoot with one hand. <laughs> that was your evaluation. That was it. But that, that was it, it had to be, I mean, that was between seventh and eighth. Different. Do you think that? Like that eighth, is, eighth grade, I went back and uh, was on the all-star team at Jordan camp. Wow. And they had moved me up. I was in like whatever age group. I was, I was a, I'm an October kid. So I was kind of, I was always a little older, older. than. But uh, yeah, it was night and day between seventh and eighth. Do you think that experience of getting going to that camp in seventh grade like helped you want to be better? Uh, sure. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. It was I just think Jordan in general do. wanted me to be okay, whether I'd gone or not. So that was your because I know that a lot of times, like there's a negative experience or being cut or not being picked or whatever it is that kind of drives a person to want to be, you know, to work hard at it. But you're saying that you were just inspired by how good I just wanted to do stuff like, like, (laughs) like I I was, I was, yeah, I was more uh, a Jordan player than I was anything else. That's dope. Did you have any other players you, you liked? Not not in the not in the, in the same capacity. I mean, it, it was a great time to grow up. Yeah, it was a great time to get into 
Yeah, but basketball. Watson Ball. Yeah. So. Especially College. looking back now, as far as like what, I mean, this is like dream team. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. College yeah, was, was high. I, I caught, was you know, I caught the, ed, the end of Bird and Magic and, yeah. you know. Yeah, but it was, uh, of, it was a lot of ballers back then, too. Yeah. I mean, the only other person who I had, I had posters of was Dominique. Human highlight reel. Yep. Yep. I but, love uh, Dominique, man. Like that, uh, what was it called? I can't remember. Like, the windmill. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's the dunk contest that I missed. Yeah. Seen live, you know. Uh, yeah, but my look, three, two or three walls in my in my room were Jordan. Like you couldn't see any part of the wall, and the other other wall was roller coasters. <laughs> okay, now we. <laughs> Where did the hip hop come in, bro? Yeah. <laughs> No, let's probably do the probably basketball. I, let's do I, the roller coaster first. Though. I don't want to do the roller coaster first. Not yet. Not yet. Not. The, ro- the roller coaster. I'm upset about roller coasters. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna, yeah, I am too. Because he, I got a thing about the roller coasters, so I want to wait for the roller coasters. All right. If because I you didn't know about it. You're right. not gonna. Th- so the hip hop, that was definitely. Basketball was definitely the. The catalyst for that too, because yeah. like your point was the, the demographic switch from the sport I was playing. Yeah, you know, because it's weird. Because when I thought so, it's clear that you're a Jordan fan, one hundred fucking percent. It's clear that you're a hip hop fan, and in my mind, for me, the process of how people are introduced, mm. how they digest yeah. these things, I feel is like the 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 most interesting piece of it. Like seeing somebody where they are is great. It's, you can appreciate, you can appreciate it more when you understand the story and those stories aren't told enough, I think. Um, But when I imagine you falling in love with hip hop for some reason, like in my head, it was you going to go play basketball with some brothers and they were like, hey man, go listen to this shit. And you listen to this shit and you were like, oh, this shit is hard. And then you just digested that. And, and so this is what was in my head. I had no idea if it was accurate or not. But pretty close. Yeah. One of the. Uh, you know what? You know what it was? My initial introduction. I was also really into breakdancing. Like eight, 80s. Like 82, 83, 84. Okay. That was the first time I. That was my first introduction. To hip hop. Um, yeah. Definitely. So I was. What uh, were you- I, but this was so third, fourth grade. This is when I was in Florida. Um, third and fourth grade in Florida in uh, Pensacola. Big into, big into breakdancing. Hey, I was still doing that soccer and breakdancing, right, right, yeah. but uh, I was really, uh, again, it was similar to what I saw in Jordan. It was just inspirational. Like I saw this, this dance form or whatever, you know, the, what they were doing athletically and and uh, had a connection to the to the music and you remember your thing popping locking windmilling like I'm I could never do the windmill dude I was so I couldn't either but I could backspin my so in my crew I was known as the backspinner that was that was what you know because you, when you would go against other crews I don't know if y'all did this in Florida everybody had a specialty we were too young we were, I was too young for that oh y'all was going against crews you were just. Hmm? You were just at the house. 
Yeah, it wasn't a. You went out in the street like with the cardboard boxes. Oh, we, you, I would carry that motherfucker. Yeah, because like, yeah, because you had different people who had different skill sets, and I was known as like the. I was not a crew. <laughs> Dude, our crew was. BDT. I wouldn't say I was a poser because I could, I could do some things right, um, but uh, there's one more aspect or one more thing that we're missing is skateboarding. Mm. So I was, in, I was. I was a poser skateboarder for sure. Hmm. Third grade at the same time? Fourth, fifth, sixth. Okay. Like I had the board and, and the look. And I could skate, but I can do I can ollie or Yeah. Again, these are the big eighty like boards with you know, street ramp was, was the thing and I was nowhere near it. Now if I would have grown up in in California where yeah. there where there were, you know, skate parks that you could roll up onto, I probably would have I probably would, you know. There's a there's a natural connection between skateboard and breakdancing, and because they're all happened sort of at the same time. Yeah. But it's hip hop. But it's the same with the bikes, because it, dude. So yeah. what you're, I wouldn't. I don't. I didn't know you then, but I don't know if I would necessarily call you. Everybody was into that shit. Yeah. Everybody was in the BMXing. Yep. Everybody was in fucking yeah. doing tricks. Everybody yep. in the skateboard. Yep. Everybody was in the breakdancing <laughs> to the degree, because that was. That was what we were all digesting yeah. at the time. And really, I think it was about what you kind of gravitated towards and what you moved forward with. I had a bunch of bikes. Shit, I had a bunch of skateboards. Yeah, I forgot. But, I forgot. You remember I used to roll around in a, in a Yeah, in a I do. Bike. Yeah. But, and that was just... Yeah. I don't so I wouldn't know. I wouldn't necessarily say you were opposed. <laughs> back in the day, looking back, like I, I, I didn't have the skills to... Yeah. If you would have looked at me, you would have thought I would have been... Much better than I actually was. Like I could <laughs> skate and stay up and yeah, but I wasn't doing. I couldn't ride a ramp or even ollie or anything. Yeah, I could get around the neighborhood and tic tac and whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But but it's like like you said, like the the I wanted to be a uh, like a um, a street freestyle BMX or two. So BMX bandits. Rad, remember, the movie Rad, you remember Rad? Rad, yeah. yep. Nicole Kidman's first movie was BMX Bandits. Yeah. BMX plot. BMX, BMX Bandits. Bandits? BMX That's what Band- it's called? It was in Australia. Yeah. It was in Australia. Yeah. That's yep. why it's Bandits. BMX yep. Bandits. Remember having the mongoose? That is a... Uh, remember Gleaming the Cube? Yep. Yeah. With the, be- uh, with the skateboard? Like, all that shit. Everybody was watching that Quicksilver, shit. Quicksilver, remember Quicksilver with the... Yes, the, with Kevin Bacon? Yep. He was the... Uh, man, all of that. Yep. That was all part of, like I guess different areas did, did it differently though because back then it was really regional. Like there was no connection other than the actual thing like a random movies, but it still like was when Bone, remember Bones Brigade broke out? You, Bones Brigade? Mm-mm. Like Power Parolta? Power Parole? Oh man. It's a white thing? No, Power Parole. Wait a minute, you're white? <laughs> It, it, hold on, you've never heard of Power Peralta. No, I don't. What is what? It's a dude. Is that a is that a man's name? No, it was a company. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. And Bones Brigade, you know Tony Hawk, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. He was part of Bones Brigade and uh, Power Peralta or whatever. Um, I didn't know who Tony Hawk was until yeah, that later, 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 later. Yep. Like two thousand. Oh. Yeah. This is. This is mid '80s. Yeah, I didn't know he is. was that so, connected. You know, Keon got a. Keon, um, 
He had a contract to go pro. I didn't know that, but I totally in high believe school. it. I totally believe it because he <laughs> he went to he college. Had my, he had my power for roll to board. I think it was a Mark McGill on U Street. Like no shit. Eight, eight years ago, seven years ago, you know, two o'clock in the morning, dude said, you know, he got hopped on it, did a kick flip or whatever, yeah. landed it. Handed it back to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I believe that. No he doubt. He could have went pro. He had an uh, opportunity. Right. He ended up going. Um, he chose the the college route, but good for he him. He had sponsors, and I believe that. Yeah, and, and he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so, do you feel you when you started in hip hop? Did you feel you were a poser in hip hop at the time? Nah, because I I could I felt like the the basketball. Um, so were you listening to before? Like, were you a music? Really, person? nothing. You weren't a music my, in person. In my household, like, in my household, we didn't we didn't listen to to music. Yeah, so you didn't listen to none of like the rock, the Simply Red, and you know none of that like new wave type was, shit. Nah, my sister was into it. Like she was into like the Cure and the Smiths and like the and like yeah. she was into like the punk scene a little bit. But yeah. in my house, no one. We had a record player and there were some records, but it was not a thing for music to be playing in our house. So hip hop was your really first introduction, like you're kind of, because a lot of, I don't know, I don't know how, you know, a lot of us sort of grew up on music, like so R&B, some yeah. 80s. That was not stuff. happening in, in my house yeah. where and then, my so parents were playing old 70s, you know, 60s, whatever. It, and then, I was, I did not know, I barely knew who like Bob Marley was. Yeah. Like mm. Stevie Wonder, like, yeah, not until college, yeah. you know. So, so you started for us was a was a natural, like it was on a radio. Yeah, it was a natural kind of. Yeah, and then thing. you know, seventh eighth grade was all about you know, MTV raps and, and yep. uh, yeah. BT and um, the basement. What basement? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I think right. But that rap city, rap city. Yeah, and um, then it went to the basement. That was just couldn't get enough, you know. Couldn't get enough of it. Who was your first ones that you really rocked with heavy? Any guesses? I say Run DMC. Beastie Boys. No, but it was EPMD. EPMD. Oh, okay. And that you say Beastie Boys, that was there. Yeah. Beastie Boys, Run DMC, that was there. Especially with Breakdance and Run DMC. Yeah. That was definitely there. And, and was, I was, um, Listening to that, didn't own any of the music, but uh, yeah, one of my boys, um, this was eighth grade, uh, called me up and uh, on a landline. <laughs> called your house. Called me up and he's like, <laughs> you gotta hear this. And he put on uh, So What You Saying, EPMD. Yeah. Doof, doof, doof. And he was all about, he was like my, my best friend. You but he, he put it on to me. What'd you think when you first heard it? I mean, how did it like? I can't say if I was, uh, I can't say that I pretended that I liked it, yeah. but obviously I wasn't as hype as him. Right. You know? Um, but I definitely thought it was, it was cool or whatever. And then, you know, got the album and. Yeah. So, so I, I <laughs> yeah, so EPMD was, Sparked it off for me, and then, uh, you know, this is eighth grade where everything came together, basketball. Yeah. What was your first? 
first the first hip-hop record you were like damn i don't really remember i just remember liking like utfo roxanne shantae salt and pepper houdini beastie boys run dmc but you don't have a first like a very first time you were like the, the the first because I feel like I feel like it all kind of like just transitioned because I was listening to like that that old R and B and that rock shit yeah like that was just what was on MTV really for the most part and right. then I can't remember the switch to that I, dog I remember it so this I remember riding a car mm. me. Uh, and, and my homeboys, and I think Greg, his mother was driving. And I remember Eric B for president coming on, like, I don't know if we had a tape or it just came on. And it completely shifted everything that I thought was reality. Like, <laughs> until then, like you, I was rock music, like pop, whatever, all the um, soul and all that stuff. And even like some of the hip hop, like some of the earlier, the hip, the hop, you know what I'm saying? Some of the earlier, like Furious Five and, you know, all Run DMC, all that kind of very syncopated kind of boom. But when that shit happened, mm. dog, and you heard like the, the complete difference, it changed everything I thought hip hop was. See, I feel like for me, it migrated. Because even like to, even when you said Sugar Hill, like, uh, uh, don't push me, yeah, white yeah, lines and yeah. all of that, like all of that just feels, I don't remember there being that big of a shift for me until yeah. I heard Wu-Tang, bro. Mm. Wu-Tang, to me, was like jazz, even with like, and, and people will <laughs> associate uh, Tribe and some other stuff with like the jazz stuff, but... Yeah. In terms of changing how I listen to music, rap, it was Wu-Tang. But all of the other stuff before that was just me appreciating, like, the sounds of it. Like, because Wu-Tang sounded so foreign that it just, I felt like I was forced to listen differently. Mm, wow. But all I the did. other shit, it was all dope. Don't get me wrong, like, Eric yeah. B, all that shit. But it was just. My Wu-Tang would have been probably Tribe then. That's when you shifted? No, that's when I started to like, I guess, listen to that's the wild. lyrics more. Listen, or listen to the, for me, listening to the, like, a sample and a, and a noise and a sound and a voice and the production of it and how it all came together as well as like the lyrics, what this guy was saying. But understanding, damn, that's, I know this James Brown record. My dad has this record. I've heard. And the way it's flipped, it completely changed how I heard it. See, so you I, wanna, <laughs> this is an embarrassing story. But, uh, so this is 1989, 90, when, when uh, MC Hammer <laughs> turned this, uh, um, God, I can't even think of it. Um, MC Hammer song was hot, right? And then I heard the original. The Rick James? And I, can't talk I, yeah, I can't touch this. And uh, I heard the original, and I totally thought he was biting Hammer. <laughs> Hilarious. Like, what is, what is it? Sounds just like. Yeah. Super free. Sounds just like it. Yeah. What, what's yeah. this guy doing? Right. How dare so he? So it's like, 
I wasn't into the music enough back then to even comprehend sampling and comprehend biting and, and that I, I, it didn't register in me and I, I ain't gonna be one of them dudes. It didn't register in me anywhere that they were hearkening back to old hip hop. I mean, to old R&B mm. and jazz and stuff like that. That didn't right, register right. at all until my adult years, bro. Yeah, to same be, here, like to be honest. Dog, that shit hit me immediately. Yeah. Like, because my, you know, my dad, man, growing up, right. walls of records, like all around, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Thousands of, and, and the James Brown, all that, he was listening to that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I heard it, it immediately like, how the fuck did they even do this? And what? Yeah. All of it. And I was like, man, this is, this is something else. Because before then, it feels like, before Marley Marl started that, I guess there were samples before that. But, you know, like the White Lines and the, the uh, Furious Five and all that, they were just really something else. But that shifted it for me. Right. But Tribe, yeah. But I can't, like, Wu-Tang. I de like, when Wu-Tang Wu was, you know, Cream when it came out, I connected to that more than, um, you know, their Protect Your Neck. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I had a connection with that. But I wasn't, I probably wasn't into listening to albums back then as much. You know, where. You mean full the whole joint? I would have the album. I probably wouldn't, I probably, you know, I probably didn't even listen to the whole album. You know? I, I would. I had to. Unless it was like for whatever tribe I, I did. And EPMD, you know, those were the. But I think I, I was, was forced because I was lazy. I was also very much into MC Light. Um. I love the boss. You remember her? Yeah, Deeper. with that yeah. white color. I love color. that whole album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is she the one? I don't really wanna. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was what, 92? So yeah, that was in, she was on the, um, wasn't she? She was on the Minister Society soundtrack? Or she was on somebody's soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But I liked her album. I don't give a fuck. Not yeah. a single fuck. Not a single solid. Yeah. They did a, I, I watched like a, they had like a listing of all the album that came out, all the albums, hip hop album that came out in 92. And it's staggering to see uh, uh, um, um, all the albums that, you know, from Snoop yeah. to Boss to Tribe to like first albums. Uh, in 92? 92. Red Man? Red Man. That's what I was trying to think. I couldn't think of his name. Red Man. Because you were, you were huge. Death Score. Das Effect. Das Effect. Das Effects? All of them was in 92. Like no, Das Effects was like 90, well, maybe 93, 90, 92, but Dead Serious, that's another one. God. Yeah. The summer of, the summer after junior year, I listened to that album every morning. I was making roller coaster yeah. models. You're gonna force this dog. Uh, <laughs> when did you fall in love with roller coasters, bro? Um, oddly enough, I don't have a first, like an EPMD. Like I, I, <laughs> it's a moment. Yeah, there wasn't a roller coaster you rode. Was like, there was is... like I can't remember the first roller coaster, but I remember being at Great America with my grandma. Where's that? Um. That's in the Midwest somewhere. Six, ain't it? Six Flags, Great American, uh, yeah, right, right across. Still in Chicago. It's right on like Chicago, Wisconsin um, border. So anyway, this was wow. Chicago got a Wisconsin border. That's second, third, fourth grade, and uh, going there and just being memorized, mesmerized by them. I would sit and watch them. That's Roller all. We, that's all we would do. 
Roller coaster. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to ride it. Yeah. Uh, the first roller coaster I, I wanted to go on, my, my grandma took me up there and waited in line, waited in line, got to it. Nope. She saw in my face. She's like, you don't want to ride this. Like, <laughs> but then I also remember going to Disney World. And I can't, I don't know what was first. But it all was happening at the same same time. Grandmother's name. What was her name? Tutu. Grandma Tutu, is that what you call it? Is she still Just with Tutu. us? Nah. Shout out to Tutu. Hell yeah. We, and she, I was so, really close with her. So you sat and stood in line and you got to the front and you didn't ride it? Yeah, but she was... It was no problem. And we just went back and watched it again. You know, we just, but I have a vivid memory of being in line and getting up there. And, and uh, so what, what, what attracts you to roller coasters in that way? It's something that I've thought about and can't really put my finger on it. Interesting. Um, Is yeah. it the riding them? The thrill of I riding do them? Is I it do. the structure of them? Is it the... Sort of the sound is what I mean. Is all, all the above. All that. That's so dope. you get into like, because I hear that there are companies out there who design these roller coasters, and people actually follow the damn companies when they oh, yeah. make the roller coasters. Are you are you into it like that? Yep. That's crazy. So I've been a member of the American Coaster Enthusiast since 1988. The American roller coaster. The American Coaster Enthusiast. The American. Shout out to them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shout out to the America Coaster. Coaster. I was just at an event <clears throat> last month at Bush Gardens. Uh, Williamsburg? Pantheon opened up. What? Pantheon? <laughs> That's a roller coaster? <laughs> yeah. So you guys just follow new roller coasters that open up? I mean, yes, but we'll, um, there'll be a media day for like this new, new coaster, right? And it's great. This is a world-class coaster, Pantheon. At Bush Gardens. <laughs> and they'll have a media day. And they'll need to fill the trains. Like the media will be there. The press will be there. But they'll need to fill the trains. So they'll invite the American coaster enthusiasts. In the area? They'll pull a call, they'll pull a call out. And look, they, you know, Bush Gardens looking for riders. They need, yeah. you know. And we'll be there uh, all day, really, filling, filling the train. Are Just you because, you know, we're all, we know how to behave. And we want to be there. And we want to ride it, you know. And then it, it's a win-win for Nobody, Everybody, nobody spits up. Nobody. Like, <laughs> do you have a favorite roller coaster? Uh, I don't have an EPMD of roller coasters. <laughs> What's how many roller coasters have you ridden? Not not enough. It, it's in it's in like 200, 250 probably. But individual separate roller coasters. Yeah. <laughs> but like a die like a diehard. It, it should be like 600, 800. Like if I were able to go around the country, you know, in like a, in a, you know, in an SU or a, 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 a RV, RV, then the count would, it should, in my mind, 600, 800. So, so you would, so now do you go to like, you say, okay, you circle a place. I want to go ride that coaster and you go specifically to ride that coaster yeah. and then. But you were riding, you would like to like dots on the map to go from place to place to place, just riding coasters. Oh yeah. For how long would that take? A year? Uh you could you could get summer. A, you could yeah, summer. Summer you can get a good part of the United States. You so you would do one a day? One every other day? One every other day, yeah, yeah. I mean, but would you you asked about <coughs> my favorites. Like Cedar Point is like the Mecca for me. I've heard of that. 
Sandusky, Ohio. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, basically, you know, like more or less a, everything in their park when it opened was a, a record breaker. You know, like so they just have this arsenal, 18, 19 coasters. And then on the West Coast, it'd be Magic Mountain, which I've been to once. But uh, this was late 90s, so mm-hmm. I haven't been in a while. But those are like the two big parks that always have the most, you know, prolific lineup of coasters. <laughs> but so <laughs> I'm trying to think of the, the last coaster I rode was. Now, what do you consider a coaster? Because you got like the ones that are like have the media to them and you kind of ride through it and they might have a, like a big dip, but they're not like your classic. Uh, like I went to one at uh, Universal, I think, and Yeti, I think it is. And you kind of go yeah. through these mountains and it tells the story of, hey, there's this, <laughs> look out for this big Yeti. And then it has like a big dip at the end. Or, yeah, yeah. That's but it's a, not like a classic. That's a roller coaster. That's officially a roller coaster. Okay. But that's a good one. Yeah. And the thing that's what I love is is themed roller coasters like what you're talking. It's called Everest. But yeah. Yeti, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, you're right. What are the metrics that they use to determine a, a good is it speed, thrill? Like it uh for to be a roller coaster? No, or? for it to like when they're talking about some of the best roller I mean, obviously they've got the fastest roller coaster. And then they have like the most the scariest. They have like the most, inver- they don't have scariest, but they have like most inversions, tallest, fastest, um, longest. But now with with today's like engineering and technology, they have these like hybrid coasters where there's one at Kings Dominion, <clears throat> Twisted Timbers that you may have, have you ever been in, you've I've been to Kings Dominion? I have. So anyway, it's the, uh, and <laughs> this is Rocky Mountain Coaster, <laughs> RMC, like you were talking about how there's different builders that attract, you know, fans and they came in and it was the hurler, a wooden coaster, tr- traditional wooden coaster. Yeah. And they uh they basically um they keep the footing, some of the structure, but they put a steel track on it more or less. And it's an all new layout, new inversions and um inversion meaning upside down upside down okay. yeah yeah so so now my point is there's hybrids now where it's half wood half steel okay it's it's because the woods are a lot rougher right they're like it has a, a, a much rougher like the grizzly yeah. very rough i wrote that almost an adult, i was like this is i can't do I'm never doing this shit again right i was like this is i don't like this one like and i now, like the hawk one was super smooth so you yeah you, i wrote that that was one of my favorites and the hawk so the hawk Interesting about the Hulk is uh, it's a launch coaster. Yes. Whereas no traditional chain lift. Yes. It gets shot. There's a lift, like there's a hill that you go up, but you're shot out of it. Um, and those are gr- just great. Like, they're just really good r- rides. Yeah, and they're quiet and smooth, but they still have that kind of thrill kind of thing to them. You don't ride roller coasters? No. I do. No, let me take a step back. That's you scared? Not, <laughs> I like roller coasters. As a kid, now when I get on them, they just up here, man, and like the moving around. I can't. I don't like going upside down, really. How the hell but, are you gonna be a roller coaster enthusiast? I don't if like, you don't going, like going. I can ride, down. I don't I can, like the loop to loops. I can ride. I, like I can ride fast. I'll ride. Shit. Like I'll watch it. I'll know everything about it. I'll have to ride it like once. 
but I, I'm not getting back on it right away. Yeah. Like, just because I'm getting older, I'm like, That's I do what's not hard. go. Well, I do not do well with spinning anything. Yeah, I don't like. But it. um, but back to Pantheon Media Day, man, I rode that thing. It's so well engineered and smooth and fast. I rode it uh, in the twenties. So back to back in one day. Is that and that one? says a lot about that ride because, like I said, I can't, I can't do a lot of re-rides on a lot of coasters. Is it is it like a traditional kind of what is what are the differences? The, in, like uh, you sit in a joint or you hang from a joint. You or sit you... you sit in traditional manner, but nowadays like the constraint the, the restraints are so well designed where yeah. it's you're no longer in this harness where it's like click click. Yeah, yeah. You have this nice device that comes down and, and hits you in the in the midsection and. Very free, very open. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're in like a little car anymore. Yeah. You're basically like in a in a chair sitting up with like yeah. nothing around you. I mean, yeah. Um, but but just... so Pantheon is the world's tallest and fastest. Maybe the the world's tallest multi launch coaster. I think that's how they call it. What the hell does that mean? So like the Hulk has a launch out of the there's four maybe launches on Pantheon. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. When you say four launches, what does that mean? So there's a launch. It's speed. It, it's like a. Uh, some of them are called uh, linear induction motors, <laughs> LIMs. It's basically magnetic. Um, and they propel it, you four separate you times yeah, yeah, yeah. in a single run. Yeah. So you get shot out. You come out of the, the station. You hit a launch. You go through one element, you come around, then you come around to like the main, the main event, which you get launched. So this is the second launch. You go up big hill, don't make it all the way up. You come back down, you get launched backwards. You go up, going, you get launched for the third time? Third time, you make it over the big hill. So they're, yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, you come back on the same track and they switch the track. You know, kind of the same thing happens in, in, in uh, Everest. Yeah. Because you yeah. go up that lift yeah. in Everest and it looks, they have it themed where it looks like yeah. the Yeti tore the track off. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, this is that Bush Garden? Yeah. Well, it's local. Yeah. So, but even if they didn't have um, Pantheon, it's, it's, Bush Gardens is a beautiful park. Yeah, it like is. one of they always win most beautiful parks. Like you, even even ahead of uh, Disney, you know. Yeah. Um, now compared to Kings of Minion, where that's more of a amusement park, Bush Gardens is more like a theme park. Interesting, you know. Um, so yeah, so the, the roller coaster. This might be a good segue to college. <laughs> the roller coaster was my my medium or my um, uh, subject matter in art, like all through college. So any 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 art project that I did was at a roller coaster theme. Wow. The piece that I bought from you, yeah. My buddy who bought it, yeah. <laughs> It really resonated with him to see the people in 
the roller coaster seats, you know, like kind of like going down and it made him feel really good. And it was something that he mm. connected to more than anything on the piece. And the crazy part about it is I had it for years and didn't even see the fucking roller coaster, the people on the roller coasters. And I think there's like four or five pictures of roller coasters. Like it's a collage. Yeah. And it's it's very, a dope piece. It's very colorful painting, but there's that, that's, that's great to hear. And I used to have it right there. And um, my, um, that's why he's salty at the roller coasters. <laughs> I had never, and I'd seen it. It's like when you look at that and then you'll see something yeah. that you didn't see before. Yeah, right. That's but great, when he man. went to see it, when he saw it, when he came over here one day, he saw, he saw the roller coasters. That's great. Immediately. <laughs> I and I had the thing for, for years and never saw it. I would it. say most people would see the roller coasters. Oh, it was that obvious? <laughs> no, it was kind of hit. It was roller coasters ain't something you miss. Nah, he, the way it he was, had them in it there. Was, I can understand why you didn't see him, especially if, especially if you're not into him. And you know, you're like, a like, you know. I would have never known that roller coasters is your thing, though. And that's... And it's the most thing, probably. It, that's crazy. And it's, so... Or it's been with me the longest, for sure. You know, like... Do you... That was, that was started with the breakdance days, you yeah. know? And the breakdance, you know? Only lasted a few years. Roller coasters. Yeah, is that something you think you share a lot? Yep. That roller coasters is your shit. Do you have most like, people? For the five people who are gonna watch, seven, know that seven. I seven. Goddamn it, seven. Don't do that, man. man. And I don't mean your audience. We work I mean hard the to people who know, who know me. No, uh, that's fourteen, man. It's fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, how in the hell did this guy not know that Brody likes roller coasters? Of all the times we've talked, so... Like, I'll, I'll, I'll put something on, on Facebook or social media or whatever, and, you know, people from high school and junior high, they'll, they'll remember me as someone who liked roller coasters. That's crazy. Probably wow. back then, because I, I would say that I wanted to be a roller coaster engineer. And, huh. uh, you know, that's the number one question. Did you end up making roller coasters? Or did you end up going to the, playing basketball? Why didn't you make roller coasters? Uh, little thing called mathematics got in the way. <laughs> no joke, like that. That was it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Math did not come natural to me. I got a question. You can tell we black, right? Most of the spaces that we are in and have been in, in a professional setting in a lot of cases, is where like we're the minority. And so we have to go into these spaces. And a statistic that I read a while back was that like 75% of white people live, work, and hang around other white people. And in most cases, they, when they, when they are a minority in these spaces, they get to like actually like choose to be in that space and where they're, where they're, where they, where they are a minority. When you start playing basketball, let me take a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're playing basketball and you, at this point, I'm assuming are somewhat of a degree a minority in that space, or at least in hip hop spaces, 
I've never had this question, asked this question before, but I am always super, super, super fucking curious as to what that is like from another person's perspective. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why. Uh, it's an emotional question. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I've never really had this conversation with someone. I have, but not in the depths that I wanted to. Yeah. One of my main boys. Is he a bro? He's a black dude. Okay. Uh, so, back to the question. I, I think I'm getting emotional just because of how influential, I don't even know, like, the proper thing to say. The culture, the, the yeah. people. It's been such a positive impact in my life you know yeah so <laughs> and I guess the answer to your question is it's felt natural mm. but I do mm. seeing the other side of that where I'm at a white function and there's one or two black people there. I can't imagine. Like, yeah. And just the the history of of our cultures in, in this world, man. It's so heavy. And I can't imagine. Like, I don't want to. Like, I've benefited from it. And haven't had any repercussions, you know? Yeah. What I think is interesting about what you're saying is that you felt welcomed. Like, I definitely felt myself. And when we go, like, I don't want to speak. I feel like I'm about to talk on behalf of a million motherfuckers, so I'm just going to do me. <laughs> when I walk into the spaces, man, I feel so uncomfortable. I have. It has taken me an extremely long period of time mm -hmm. to go into a space where I'm literally the only one out of like 30, 40, 50 people <clears throat> and to just be myself it is it is taken there's no real class you take and I think mm. black people's natural disposition in going into those spaces is to try to leave as much of us behind as we can so that we can assimilate yeah. um, and leave so much behind to where we feel like we're playing a role to a degree mm -hmm. and it's only been recently where I can enter into that space and not feel like I'm playing a role where like I'm actually showing up as myself. Obviously I don't, I use different language, but like the core essence of yeah. me as a human is showing <laughs> up. Yeah. It's wild because, and I also think, man, it's nuanced because like in sports spaces and even in, you know, hip hop DJ spaces among like the, the people who are 
participating in the culture or participating in the thing, it doesn't matter. So you can walk into a space and still feel like you're contributing because you are just, all of that shit goes out of the window because you're just a, you know, you're just another DJ and it's me a DJ and this guy, and we all kind of chilling and kick because we've all had DJ, you know, uh, experiences where we were all in a space and none of that really is, is looked at as even a thing. It's like basketball. A lot of times, a lot of times, there are other times, there are, like you're in a team or in a tournament or whatever, and it's kind of like you're just a ball player. You're not really, you know, but there are, you know, some nuanced things. You've probably sure. experienced it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, in these other kind of more professional environments, it's kind of, because mm. I've done it too, man. I've walked into these spaces. I've been on shit now, calls where I look at the screen and I see, mm. you know, I'm like, damn, again, like now, now what do I, and recently I've been like, man, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be the, prof- yeah. me being a professional <laughs> me, not feel like I have to assimilate into these spaces or fit into these spaces so that they won't think something. It's weird, man. Like you don't want them to think that you're something like you want them to feel like that you're one of them. It's a weird kind of thing, man. But in our culture, like in where we are, a lot of times that doesn't matter because you can just be you. And that's the thing I really, that's the thing that really resonates, I think, the most with me, with you, man. I don't feel like you're trying to be nothing other than what you are. And I've always respected that and admired it mainly because I struggle with it when I'm being the minority in another space. Mm-hmm. So to watch a brother come in and just, you know, move and operate and just show up as himself and be like this creative and this artist. And maybe that ultimately is a reflection of what, you know, hip hop is. It's like this melting pot of all of these various yeah. things that get you know, accentuated and represented in the sound and in yep. the art. Yep. Maybe you are that in a way, but it, it never, I never, and you know, we all know what the white person looked like acting black or what the black person, like it, it, it was never <laughs> really that. I was just, shit, Brody's just this cool dude, man, who just played music, who, who, yeah. who, 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 who's a dope DJ, who just happens to be white and yeah. it, whatever that means and whoever he is. And, and it doesn't mean anything, it just, it's just a descriptor, I guess. But again, we all have, yeah. like all DJs have things. Like they like this level of art. They like comics. They like, you know what I'm saying? It's always these interesting kind of things that we can all sort of relate to. But the rest of it doesn't matter. Like it's not, it's all welcoming all of the time, which is, which is not part of how the larger American culture moves. All of my closest relationships <coughs> as an adult, the strongest, closest are through music. Yeah. Mm. All of them. I don't have a, and I think for some people it's like sports, it's like these doors, there are these doors that open up that connect people. The difference, what I feel like with music is it's a lot of tortured souls fucking around with music yeah. in some capacity or another. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know what it is. How, how do you mean? Uh, I mean, the artist or the the the, oh. the the people. See, 
the, the, the artists, the, 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 the DJs or the people, the creatives in those spaces. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think we wanted to kind of not want, I mean, we're just having way too many conversations on the back end with people about stuff that's going on. Um, about what they're struggling with or what they're dealing with. And these are just all music people because we're in music and we're creatives and doing this stuff. People are challenged in a lot of different ways that ultimately end up showing up in like their, um, in the way that they moderate emotions and feelings and connect with people and, and self-perception and, you know, all of these kinds of things that, that I just feel like we struggle with that we use music yeah. to help mm -hmm. make sense of, help release. Um, and it's wild because as DJs and a lot of times as artists, but you know, in my experience as DJs, that we have like the like all of this music that that expresses all of these emotions in all these different genres. I mean, we listen to music that expresses so much. But it's hard for us to express the same shit. You know what I'm saying? We feel it mm. as it comes in, but it's hard for us to navigate it. <clears throat> That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? We understand it, we feel it, but we can never like, well, for me, never like quite, you know, when it comes to trying to work through your own shit, it's harder to get through it. But all of this music, man, all these years of hearing and feeling and and, and understanding what other people are expressing in their art and music, we can't, like, can't really get through our own shit. It's weird. Hmm. That's, I don't Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if this is related or not, but, like, why does listening to Mob Deep for me feel so natural to me? It shouldn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's expressing something more than just what they're saying. The words that they're saying is secondary to what they're actually expressing. That's hard to, I don't even know how to even make logical sense of that, but I feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's some shit that I express that's more than the words that they're saying. It's got, yeah. By and the way, this, I could talk about coasters all day, but th this is the reason why I feel like I'm here. Right. <clears throat> to be talking about this subject. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, man, but I partake in ayahuasca periodically when I'm traveling and go through these um, things. And in the ceremonies, music is always a key part of it. And one of the things that I feel is that music is a key. It's a technology and it's a healing thing. And a lot of these sounds that I feel musicians use, we're actually connecting to those just as much as the words because they combine and form something bigger that we connect to. Um, that help us understand and make sense. And so I think it's something that connects us all when you like are a lover of music, because we have a very specific relationship to it that's different than I think just a casual listener, as an example. Like in our, in, in our relationship, I think relates more to how we connect to it 
and what we use the connections for the music for. Like you're saying, Mob Deep just feels right. Right. You don't know why. And I think it's okay to not know, but to know that you need that or to know that to have a relationship with that in a way to where like when you're feeling bad or having an issue or whatever, boom, you could pop that on. Um, because in those ayahuasca sessions, music is always something that is used as another layer to unlock and connect with these things that transcends words. It's just, it's not, words are so limiting, but the, but the sounds and, those, and that shit is actually what pulls and draws people in. Um, 17 years ago, April 23rd, what was that? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it was my MFA show in Madison, Wisconsin. Another thing you probably don't know. I said I was saying roller coasters was um, like my main subject matter in undergrad. In grad school, it was the Madison hip-hop scene. Madison, Wisconsin. <clears throat> and, and everything was... Everything that I did, whether it was poster design or photography or websites, was based around the hip-hop scene in Madison, Wisconsin. So you went to college in, in, in Wisconsin? As an undergrad, yeah. Okay. And I ran, I ran track at college, in, in college for basketball. For basketball, I didn't even play senior year. Wow. Just because, uh, which is always it's heartbreaking for me. And it's something I always struggle with every time I see basketball on TV. You think you could have gone pro? No. Um, but it's just mind-boggling to me that I didn't play ball my senior year in high school, let alone co like college. Like I, I was going to play in college for sure. Yeah. But uh, just <clears throat> that was not. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have been able to go to University of Wisconsin um, if it weren't for track. Like I got in, I got to go to Wisconsin. I got, definitely wasn't getting playing ball there, especially because I didn't play senior year. <laughs> but okay. uh, I just had a great path um, through co through track. My high school track coach was phenomenal and someone I connected with and someone I wanted to be with on a daily basis and, and train for. Yeah. <clears throat> um, man, we got off. So off help subject. me, so help me understand 2005, 2006. That was, that was an event. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was my MFA show. MFA is master of fine arts. Okay. And were you DJing that day? I was, <laughs> That that, how long had you, so you posted something yesterday and I'm mm -hmm. going somewhere with it, as you I'm sure can imagine. 17 years ago, you did an event that was based around hip hop. And based around, it was my, my MFA exhibit, which you need to do to graduate. You know, you, you have to have an MFA show. Okay. And a part of that included, what was that, what was that, what did that include? 
it was a little gallery and I had poster design on one one wall, like 13 show posters, you know, that I guess I had, they were all my posters. <laughs> I think I was on all of them as far as like, <clears throat> they were local shows. Okay. Some had, like one was Afro Man and some were, were commercial acts that came through, but that I did the, the posters and designs for. So that was one wall. One, the other wall was all photography of Madison hip hop artists. Um, and then um, I had some other things too, but <clears throat> I think I had a wall of, of, of all my sketches from three years of MFA school. And, and, and madisonhiphop.com, the website, like that was the big, that was the driver of, of all of this. Like all the photography was featured on the site. Okay. All the design. So around then you were almost 30, right? I guess, 27-ish, 26-ish, yeah. <clears throat> you were DJing. How long had you been DJing? 96. You started DJing in 96? As an undergrad in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, five years prior, you had talked about hitting rock bottom. Yep. Rock bottom. Oh. Five years prior to 96? So let me, <coughs> no, let no, me, no. Let me um, take a step back. It was 1999. Okay. Brody has an Instagram like every other human being. <coughs> fucking sense. <laughs> And he posted something yesterday on one of the posts said 17 years ago and he, he, he took a picture. Um, he, took some he took some pictures of like a, a flyer for an event. Underneath there, he said five years prior, rock five years prior, um, I hit rock bottom and I just was just diagnosed with manic depressive and another term that you used, which we will talk to in five years prior. Um, when I was on Facebook, I had made a post. I don't know if you remember this. I don't remember what the post was about, but underneath the post or a, or, or a message, you were like, yo, thank you for sharing this. Um, depression is something that I've been dealing with and been struggling with for a while. And it was the first time anyone that I knew and our circles had even acknowledged that it was a fucking thing that they were kind of like going through. Um, and I think I had just been dabbling with just saying it and just <clears throat> like owning it. And even up until now, it's something I'd really been struggling with trying to own in a way and mm -hmm. just fucking wear it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. Like, you can wear that but you can't wear this other shit too. But it's like, so I'm, I've been working through that. So that day on Facebook, I was trying to wear it and somebody else said, hey, I wear that shit too. And, and, and so thank you for doing that that day. I never forgot it. Mm. I never forgot it. And um, because it didn't make me feel alone which is some shit that you feel it's a part of it 
I think, for me at least. Um, don't necessarily start at the rock bottom point in 2000. 2000, yeah, 1999. 1999-2000. <clears throat> Go back a little bit before that in your mind, if you can, about like what your relationship was to this thing and zero. Before it happened, like before it hit rock bottom. Yeah. I guess I was like oblivious to it. How was it showing up? Well, it was the so that we're talking 1999 undergrad. I was graduating from college. There was a few things going on. Structure of school was coming to an end. Just probably even more important, track was coming to an end. Mm. Physical, you know, physical activity, exercise. And there was a relationship with someone else, a significant other. That was also a part of all of this. Um, but up until that point, my life had been pretty great. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Like real great. Uh, you know, if I'm comparing to other situations, mm-hmm. um, and there was no real reason why I was I guess the third, fourth component that um, exasperated all of this, I had smoked weed for the first time. And so this was spring of 99. Yeah, spring of 99. And uh, so I, know, I knew college was coming to an end, track was coming to an end, a major life change, right? Um, and then I had this experience with marijuana that, uh, rekindled this really deep memory of me being terrified of dying Mm. as a, as a, um, you know, second, third grade or whatever, Mm. being in my bed, being self-aware of life and death and and <clears throat> realizing acknowledging death and just <laughs> realizing how fucking scary it is um, or trippy it is or something we can't grasp mentally and it wasn't that I was scared about dying it was scared of not living anymore yeah. you know had you lost anybody or experienced any like type of death in the family or anything? No. It's just something that just hit you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember being in my bed as a, I guess I, this is in Florida, and uh, I don't know how old I must have been, second, third grade, but just scaring the shit out of myself about the idea of death. And I remember calling my mom and dad. Mom, Dad, just being so scared. Mom coming in, Dad coming in, and and it's something I've thought about recently because now I have kids and daughter, 
about to be the same age of when I had this experience and my mom and dad, my mom reassuring me saying that, uh, yes, you know, more or less everyone dies, I think, but it's not going to happen to you for a long, 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 long time, you know? Mm. So moving forward, had a few sessions uh, with marijuana that sparked back this intense psychotic feeling of, I guess, paranoia, I don't know. It just took me right back to that moment in time. Okay. And all of a sudden, I was, I was terrified of, of it again. And you, and you didn't have any, like, tools or whatever to just deal, to manage no. that? No. You felt like you no. were just, like, constantly thinking about, thinking about it? More or less, yeah. And that's what sparked it. This was, you know, and then as the months carried on, School came to an end. Track came to an end, so I was no longer physically active. Right. Two, three hours a day. Right. And a part of a team and all. Part that. of a team, yeah. and purpose. Look at looking forward to yeah. a competition. Yeah. You know. Um, the structure came to a screeching halt. It's like it died. It's like what? Like it died. Like I died. Like it died. Like the that part the of my life di- died. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And uh, yeah, from then, that'd be a whole nother podcast as far as like how that came to a head. I'm like, okay. God. Um, so yeah, I knew I was, I'd never been afraid or ashamed of reaching out. I guess I had to do with being close to my parents or relatives or I come from a smaller family, but a tight family. Mm. And uh, I knew something was wrong with me. Well, I was just scared shitless. I, I thought I was going to... It was all leading to this... It was, uh, this was all leading to my death. You know? Right. All this stuff ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was convinced I was going to be dying. I was dying soon. Mm. Not that I was going to kill myself. I wasn't suicidal, but um, yeah, I was convinced that all these things were happening because I was going to die soon. So, so your your behavior didn't necessarily change. You were you were mentally aware enough to 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 before it got to that point to just say, "Hey, some shit's going on. I need to talk to somebody." And that somebody was a, a really close friend of mine who I was thinking about today when I saw that piece over there. The lady who ended up helping me out, who I felt would understand where I just felt comfortable explaining all this to. The frame of that piece came from her house. No shit. <laughs> and I was like, I was th- on the way over here, I was thinking about that. I was like, how... Hopefully that has like way more meaning now. With it, so the frame of that piece came from the lady's house who helped me out and was a big part of my life at, at that time. Um, and I I broke down to her and I remember we went for a walk in the woods and I told her everything that had been happening and she was the first she was the person who said to me like wasn't my fault and there's way ways to get better. You know, 
um, that something was going on with me that I could get help. So what'd you do? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the really events that took place, but or the the exact time frame or. Long story short, I was coming back from, <laughs> I tried to make, I don't know what to do, and I, I, drew, I drove out to, I think it was before the discussion, but this all came to a, a, a peak. Long story short, I was driving back from San Fran after, a, this is after college. <clears throat> I tried to make it work in San Fran. My sister was living there. It seemed like it, it could it was the next thing I was supposed to do. That's when I started, the depression started. Um, ended up kind of like panicking, I guess, and driving back to DC yeah. or this area, or Wisconsin. And, uh, and this is where the relationship came in with this other person who, who was a part of my life and she had come back into my life. And I thought, Okay, I'm supposed to live with her. During that trip, it got to the point where I was driving. You know, this is, I was driving by myself, cross country, you know, three or four day trip. And I'd be driving and have to stop for gas. And I was like, this is, this is when I'm gonna, someone's gonna, in there is gonna murder me. Wow. Mm. Like it was, <laughs> It was, this was the time. You've convinced yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, trippy thing happened in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Stopped for gas. Got back in the car. My car would not drive. This was a old Ford Taurus wagon. Old school. Went, wouldn't slip in to drive. Had all my DJ stuff with me, my records. I was pretty close to dropping, leaving all that behind, my turntable, all my wax, leaving all that behind. And I, I won't say walking, but I, like, right. this was my death spot, man. Like, I was going to die there. And uh, I don't know what, I threw her into neutral, and the car would drive. In neutral? Huh. I just, I drove from Lincoln, Nebraska. At this point, I, that day, I called my parents. I was like, shit, I'm in trouble. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. I'm scared shitless. And uh, I'm really surprised. I must have been, I must not have been convincing enough or I'm really surprised my parents didn't come out and get me. Because they would have if I would have asked. Yeah. So once I knew I could... Driving neutral, I just had to make sure. Every time I parked, I had to make sure I could. There was no reverse, which is really fucked up thinking about it now. That's crazy. That's <laughs> as far as like the car not going in reverse and my life not going in reverse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah and I, so I was headed to D.C. where my, what I thought was my life partner was. But I had to beeline it back to Wisconsin where my parents were. And uh, made it in neutral. And then that trip, that, I was like, Lord, 
Lori Strelo was this person. I was like, I got to talk to you. <laughs> that's when we went in, the, in the, the walk in the woods. And that's when it came to us. Service like, there's something wrong with me. I can go talk to a professional and I can get help. Right. And when she told you that, did, did you I was relieved. It? I mean, I, I believed her 100%. Yeah. There's something real healthy about what you're saying, dude, in a weird in a weird way, it sounds extremely healthy to just be so self-aware, to just know yeah. what you needed and to have resources. And then not to say it would necessarily, not to say that anything would change, not to say you don't continue to struggle <clears throat> moving forward. All right. But the fact that you could even for so long Motherfuckers just don't know or don't even have resources, mm. don't even know where to start. And like, I feel like what you're describing is just like an extremely um, supportive, loving team, man, mm. that just, no you know, was there. Yeah. And my parents were too, don't get me wrong. Right. <laughs> when that, when it surfaced. Yeah. Because I include them, I mean, because like, I mean, to your point, I don't even really remember not ever feeling depressed, bro. Mm -hmm. My earliest really? memory is like 15 of, of just not, I didn't want to live. Of not feeling depressed? Yeah, of, of feeling depressed. Like to where I could actually, I remember, I remember 15, like writing on my arm, I want to die. I remember th there are specific things that I remember. I remember not wanting to live. I remember specifically about that. Um, and having like these very, very, very dark feelings. Cause I, I don't really like using the term depression cause I feel like it's like when my, uh, it's like, I, I don't like the idea of kids being diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. I don't know why. It's something about that that so, fucking pisses me off. <laughs> I was just talking to a relative last night, just about labels. Yes. Labels. and But the one good thing about labels is, I mean, you got to kind of start doing that at some point. If you do go the medication route. You, you, and I got questions for you about that, because I... So, but labels are dangerous. Don't yeah. get me wrong. So, because it's not always just one thing. It's it's not it's not always, and a lot. So many things are connected, and then once you're labeled, it can kind of almost aid in. But being, I mean, anything can be a crutch, right? Mm. But, and I think I'm only saying that to say, it's better for me to describe what depression is than to call it depression. Sure, if you can, it's if you hard can. to do, and so. Yeah. For me, it's a, it's a loop of darkness that I can't get out of. That is debilitating. Yep. Makes you not want to move mentally, physically. It's debilitating. It, check, it, it's check, check. paralyzing. Right. So, and I, when I this, I feel it's better to say that about it, and then that somebody, someone could say oh, I feel that way, or it might trigger them to, to explain it in a way. Or I could say, as an example, 
I have high highs and I have low lows. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I can be really, 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 really excited about something and two minutes later feel like shit's gonna come to an end. And I don't know if that's bad. I don't know if other people feel that way. I don't know if it's natural. I don't know if it's not natural, but I'm learning to deal with it in a better way. I have tools now, but even when you're described, but I've always thought that. So I don't even think I've ever talked to someone who, and maybe it's because of the term, dude, the label. Um, that hadn't thought about it even sooner, hadn't had these thoughts or connections sooner. Um, but thank you for sharing that because it helps me, like I feel like there's a, there's a pre and a post. So when you went to go talk to somebody, did they, were you diagnosed with something? Did they give you a label? After I talked to my friend who, who informed me that I could get treatment or, or talk to somebody. Then I went to, yeah. And then, you know, came out and told my parents. And, um, so yes, then I went to a, a psychiatrist, you know, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where my parents were. Great town. What's that? Great town. Great town? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Totally forgot about that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What? So my parents are from Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's the place where all the, the the police. I mean, it's one of the places. Yeah, one of the places. Where am I? What am I? What am I missing? Shot the black dude. He's, they shoot him. Shot the shoot black him. dude. And then they had the riots in Kenosha. You remember that? Last summer. Yeah, last summer. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, it's a. It's he a looked at look, me. <laughs> I understand why you don't remember because it happens. It's yeah, happening so a lot. But yeah. so it was the, the Kyle hot, Rittenhouse. Oh, this dude. That's, okay, he got shot in the back. I don't know six, multiple times in the back while he was going into his his minivan. Yeah. So that's Keno Okay, that's Kenosha, Wisconsin. Okay. All right. How far is that from Milwaukee? 35 minutes drive. It's really like a suburb of sort of. And Kenosha's right across, right across the border of Chicago, like Chicago, you know, Illinois. Yeah. Kenosha's right. You get, you, you go up north past Chicago, go across the state line, there's, there's Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's the first city in, in Wisconsin. And your parents aren't from there. They, they are from there. They're from there. Okay. Yep. And after my dad retired from the Navy and blah, blah, blah. They moved back, and they've been back ever since. Gotcha. I never lived there, but I would visit my grandma in the, in the summer. So she too. Me to, yeah. She'd take me to Great America. They, so Great America. I went to a psychiatrist. Because I was having those death thoughts, and who knows what I was describing it as then, I was diagnosed with psychosis and bipolar and major depression. <laughs> What is psychosis? I mean, for me, it was these uncontrolled thoughts of death. Okay. They say it's sort of a, well, 
I don't know. It's got to be. It's it's like a break from reality. Like when you yeah. sort of oh. get in these loops of something that's break not. from reality is a good yeah. good way to put it. And it, I'm sure it comes in many different forms. And yeah, exactly. Luckily for me, it went away. Yeah. <laughs> that piece went away. The psychosis after, piece? After about, a, after about six months. Okay. I was on a pretty hardcore drug. I fr- I'm really pissed off because I forgot the name of the uh, medication. It but helped? It was a, hmm? The medication helped? For the psychosis, yeah. It was, it was a game changer for me. I mean... At the same time, that it, it it turned me into a zombie. That's what I was going to ask you. Like a lot of people, like the drug is really. But as long harsh. as I didn't have those thoughts, I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I took, I can't remember. I took Kalina. I took so. I was diagnosed with manic depression and bipolar, and I was given. Um, I was diagnosed. I was given this medication to take, bro. How old were you? was right after my or what a year about I was 30 so this was about 15 years ago 31 I was going through my divorce and it was like it was it was my it was my mental it was I had a bunch of lows sure that, that was just one of them where I was like okay let me go try to let me go talk to somebody like this shit's I'm really fucking up life right now like I'm <laughs> <laughs> like the bar is low um, for life. But when I took the medication, that shit was just, I did not like feeling like a zombie. Mm-hmm. And I would have rather, and, and I, and I, I, so I said I would, my thing was I'd rather feel something than nothing. But I was only dealing with the, depression and bipolar shit like the the psychosis piece isn't something but it was um I didn't and I tried a bunch of different and different um amounts that I was going back mm-hmm. and forth on because the thing that I, I they're just trying to see what works because the shit it works differently on yep. people and amounts and doses mm-hmm. and shit so it was like oh go take this and then you come back later how does it feel and I'm like this is how I feel okay we'll take more of this or Take this. It was like That's a, what it's a all about, man. trial and error kind of thing. But you've got to be committed. Mm-hmm. And to some people, it helps. To you some people, it doesn't help. And you have to be honest with yourself and your doctor. Yeah. And you have to stay on whatever they're giving you yeah. so they know how to make adjustments. But. And I don't recommend people do what I did, you know. I'm not even saying that what I did was right. So I'm not necessarily promoting it. It was just, it's a real thing. And it's something that people who suffer with these things don't get a lot of visibility on because I feel like people think it, will, it won't promote taking the drugs. But, but, but it does impact people in a, in a lot of ways. So I'm glad that you stayed. You're talking about the medication? The medication. Because a lot of people, a lot of people won't say what's going on. Or they might have parents and the parents will say. So are you talking about to the doc? Are you talking about to the psychiatrist? Or to-, to the psychiatrist and to the parents. So imagine being 17, right? And you were me. Imagine, imagine a 17-year-old me being offered these drugs and going back and forth and then me going to my te- my mom and them saying, 
I can't take this stuff more. I don't like the way that I feel on it. Like, the way I feel on it is worse than the way I feel off. Mm -hmm. and the, it, but your family loves you so much that they want you to keep taking it. Mm -hmm. So they're like forcing you to take it because they think you're getting, they think it's helping. Right, think it's a means to an end. And, and, and for, for a lot of people it helps, but the feeling mm -hmm. of feeling nothing sometimes is worse yeah. than the feeling than the feelings that you've learned to cope with. So it might, but if those are your only two options, or at yeah. least that's what somebody told you, it's like, well, shit. And you're forcing me to take this stuff over here? Right. It's a, it's a trick. It's a, it's a mixed bag. I oh. hate even having these kind of conversations about this stuff because I, like, I feel like it can send, you know what I'm saying, like the wrong, the wrong message. Well, it's also important to understand and know that medication can be part of the solution. It's not the solution. That's a good right. point. That's, yeah. it's, not a, it's not something you take and you're healed. That's not right. going don't get, to, don't get thinking that way because it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, it's trial and error, being honest with the doctor, um, but then also cognitive therapy. So did yeah. that, the feeling of like being, feeling like a zombie help you with the therapy piece so you can kind of, no. man, what did it, what it, it, that cured me of the psychosis. Like I was no longer terrified. I never, no longer had these terrifying feelings that I was going to die. But and did that help you be able to deal with that better? Like be able to talk through what the, uh, where it came from and where it came from? Nah, okay. I don't think we ever saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, after, so after the psychosis, Full-on depression. Mm. That's what to me. It? I was, yeah. Life was never going to get back to where how great it was. What does that look like today? <laughs> if you uh, could describe it. What do you mean? Uh, the depression. I don't know. I mean, it's a part of my life. Part of who I am. What? So when I'm feeling depressed, yeah. Well, it happens enough. <laughs> the before I get into that, the only thing that gets me through it is the fact that I've been through it. Mm. I know. <laughs> I know it's not going to last forever. Right. Recognize it. Do That's the only thing because it's so bad. Depression can be so bad if I didn't know that I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. I've never been suicidal, but I totally understand it. I understand homelessness. Yeah. I understand, like I said, I, I totally understand suicide and why people do it. It's giving up. It's a way out. Yeah. Yeah, I know that like a lot of times it starts, it's almost like it starts, a loop starts. And sometimes it feels like it starts slow. But sometimes you can catch it and say, okay, this is happening. So you can start to sort of ride it out a little better. 
then you before you really start to that shit once it starts to we talk about this all the time. Once it starts to to really get going and you really lost in it, that's when you're at you don't know like you want to just give up. But if you can kind of identify it as it's happening, you can kind of ride it through because you kind of know what's happening, right? You know that this is not the you're experiencing the thing and you're not the thing. That makes sense. Yes. When you, when you said the slow shit, dog. Just fucked up. Because uh, I'm starting to feel that way now, you know? Yeah. And uh, you said slow? The slow shit. What, uh, the slow start? Yeah, when it starts to. Of the loop? Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's slow that I'm feeling it now. And I'm struggling with getting out of it. But I know I'll get out of it, but it's the it's the slow, subtle loops that are the hardest ones to to remedy because you don't want to wait for them to get <laughs> like big yeah. and um, what the fuck am I crying for? So because the small ones, I don't know what I was going to say, but um, The reason why I was asking you to describe it is because I was just curious to know what the, how it affects you. It because I it's it's a word at the end of the day. You mean depression? Depression is just yeah. a word. Yep. You and know, it's it doesn't and affect it's, um, different people different ways. Yeah. When I'm depressed, <clears throat> the only light at the end of the tunnel is that I've gotten through it. Mm-hmm. That, like I said before, I'm. It, yeah. Um, meaning, my life. When I'm depressed, my life is over. No enjoyment. Not even coasters. Not even coasters or <laughs> no music. No, no way. Nothing. Like all I want to do is go inside a cave, mm-hmm. crawl up into a ball. Yep. That's it. And what that translates to is me communicating to my wife. She probably knows anyway, but I'm depressed. And she knows she's very understanding and allows me to uh, live with it because I'll, I'll have, you know, with the kids and she knows when I'm depressed and I tell her, which is very important. Yep. Um, and she understands and let me sleep it off or sleep or don't talk. Like I won't, I'll be there, but I, I'll tell her, like, 
you can talk to me, but I, I'm not going to be. Yeah. Con- <laughs> I'm not going to be talking back, or I'm not in conversation mood right now, which is a big difference between the way I'm growing up and my kids, uh, and and how I grew up. Um. And I love my dad, really close with my dad. I love him, love him to pieces, but. You know, I don't know if it was the military or his father. Mm-hmm. No talking. He was, he was not an emotional. He was emotional. He didn't communicate about his feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was. And I am, I'm full blown open about how I, I don't mind crying. I don't mind explaining that. I can be weak emotionally. Um, and credit to my, my dad and my family. As far as mental health and stuff wasn't wasn't a conversation or even a thing growing up. Um, but since I was diagnosed, he's gone full out as far as learning about him and my mom. But my dad, he was... I don't know if he still is, I think. But he was he became chapter president in Kenosha of, of NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. Illness? It's not illness, it's um I can't remember. Anyway, he he became involved and he still may not understand what it is or yeah. he's on suicide prevention and he's volunteered Tons of hours and effort to to help the the mental health in in Kenosha, yeah, that and that was all. He wouldn't have touched that without without what I went through. You know, that's so heavy that he's a uh, uh, jumped in military, like that. Yeah. and you know, and from that era, yeah, he still was jumped in. That's that's huge for him to do that. Now, he was going to listen to this, but I wish he would. I wish he would um, go to therapy. Mm. Why? Or be open to it. Why? I just think he has some stuff deep, deep down that... As we all do. Yeah. I mean, I hate to like talk about him while he's not here, but... I mean, he's still living. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be... He's willing to help... I think he, he could benefit from helping himself. Well, I mean, it just seems like, though, that he's on a, I don't know, I don't know your dad, but hopefully he's on a path to that. And doing all this other stuff, it might be something that connects yeah. to him that makes him take that next step. I mean, if he's open to being, you know, being yeah. involved that way, then, you know, I think that's a path. Or if it's what, it's what his way of deflecting it. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm bringing this up because growing up, I have, the depression was going to hit me at some point because I have memories of being a kid and not talking to anyone for a date, like my parents. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's a kid or whatever, that'll happen. But I remember being, we call it silent mode. Yeah, yeah. For days. 
Yeah. And my dad, I can see that in my, my I see that in my dad too sometimes, yeah. And I think sometimes, man, we can own certain mindsets or character traits. We can own them for so long that they're part of who we are yeah. and it's there's no real separation. I got I don't mean to cut you off, but I guess the I've been trying to convince my dad that it's okay for him to tell me that he's not in a good mood. And you know, he needs some alone time or something. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe he's because something's going. He gets to a certain part of the day. He's a morning person. He gets to a certain part of the day. I don't want to say it's Jekyll and Hyde, but he gets to the point where he gets tired and game over. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Are there any parts of you that remind you of your father? Yeah, when I'm feeling like that. And I speak up immediately because I don't want to become that. Yeah. So when you when you you feel like you're so so part of your you associate d- depressive moments with traits of your dad. Uh, no, I just I want to communicate how I'm feeling. Okay. I want to express myself. I don't want to keep it. Someone else get. I made a policy with my wife a long time ago. If I ask you what's wrong, you can't say nothing. <laughs> mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So many of us do that. I know I do. I know my kid asked me what's wrong. I'm good. Like, even when I Because you don't want to. I mean, you're supposed to be protecting them. But. Is that acceptable? Hell no. Do you think it is? For, for my dad to tell me nothing's wrong when there is something wrong? Using his motto, if because he's supposed dad's supposed to be like the protector, not when it's fucking up the relationship, yeah. So, you think your dad's reaction to things is impacting your relationship with him? My dad's inability to, he's gotten better, and he's, I've become, I've told him this. Dad, this is what you're doing. You got to be called out on this. Yeah. Okay. And he's gotten. There was a point when it was bad where. Um, I lost my train of thought, but um. So your dad, so, him not speaking or him. Not admitting that he had an emotional, something emotional was going on in him. Mm-hmm. Him not able to ex- tell me that. I don't even care what it was it was wrong with him. But the fact that he was denying it. Anything. Yeah. Why do you think you needed him to acknowledge that? Especially when you He's like already a new robot. Let's put it. And this guy is a physical beast as far as he still works out. He's what, 78 now. You know, he He's half machine, and sometimes, sometimes I think he's half machine mentally too, because he's just locked in. Yeah. 
Because like I said, I think it has to do with his dad and how he was raised and being in the military and not expressing yeah, his emotions emotion. aren't, aren't he, really. And the reason why it I said wasn't we, a good look for him to say he was depressed or sad or, or sad or angry. And the reason why I mentioned the fact that we own certain certain character that we can own certain characteristic traits for so long that where they come like they're in essence they're a part of who we are is because I think for the older generation you know like our parents that the best thing we can do for them is to love them as they are. It's absolutely which is unconditional. It's going to happen. It's going it's going to happen anyway. It's 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 going. You're not going to not love your dad, right? You're not going to not accept him for who he is. However, through the process, we're creating this tension and these unnecessary expectations of them doing something different so that we can necessarily feel better. Like, he's a great father. You have issues. You yeah. have, you, I mean, every relationship has, 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 um, opportunity to grow and do things different right so that's par for the course he's a, you know he did his best you know he's a great provider you feel supported you feel loved you feel all of these things however there's something about him that you want him to do differently it's something about him that makes me want to be different so thank you for saying that because that's where i was going because absolutely because actually What's harder for you is to change you than it is to change your dad. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, because it, because your dad is fine. Everything I'm hearing you say about your dad is he's fine. He's awesome. So, okay, he don't want to say his feelings is hurt. You know his feelings is hurt. Why do we want our parents to say some shit that we already know? It, it, it creates, it's a, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, because I do this, my dad's no longer here, right? But so, there, I think it's a defense mechanism to actually project, it's easier for me to get my dad to change or, 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 to, or to expect him to do something mm. different than it is for me to accept that that's just, Cause he ain't he ain't doing nothing foul. He, I mean, I don't, that <clears throat> not, may not even be the best thing. Um, no, you're right. But it's stuff that I'm like, oh god, my dad, my dad. I see him and me, and it mm. it 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 changed the way that I interact with my kids or whatever. You know, and you see you and him, vice versa, or whatever you just said. Wait, what? You said you see him and you. I, yeah, yeah. I'll be doing something him. like, oh, God, that's my dad. Right. And vice versa. Do you see you and him? Like in those moments where you, he's quiet or whatever, do you see you, like when you start to get quiet, do you see that in him? Not so much, but yeah. Um. And I want to say something, too, because I always got to add this. I don't know if he's going to say, but let me cut you off for a second. I love your relationship with your dad, bro, and your moms too. The way you highlight them and mm -hmm. you've done that and you've even seen you out with them before. I even think when they came as a dude who lacked that, yep. I appreciate that relationship, man. And you being an example of your family and representing the roses to the fullest and 
and loving your parents, man, and being shameless about that shit, that resonates. And um, I just wanted to say thank you to you and to them for that. Um, yeah, and no, I appreciate that. And I, I'm, I'm aware of, I'm aware of them and how much I love them and how much they've meant to me. Uh, real quick, so my dad, my mom is the one, 180 from that emotionally. Like she'll cry every time we hang up the phone. You know? yeah. Not that extreme, but pretty close. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mama Sue? Mama say Mama Sue. Sue Rose, yep. That was too. It was a, it's corny. the best mom you could ever have. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. My mom and dad's dynamic with that too. Like my dad was a, a, a rock. Like you could get <laughs> no emotion from him. Like he, he would tell us, you know, your feelings don't matter. You got to do what you got to do. Your feelings, which is, which is how he got through, right? It ain't the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It caused a lot of issues with me, but it's how he made it through. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to because it was a different time. Anyway, Their lives were different. Yeah. Yeah. Lives, I mean, that's just what, I mean, he dealt with a lot of other stuff to be able to be whatever. But my mom, conversely, is a, completely emotional being like her she moves and flows she moved and flowed through her emotions and she was loving and same thing it was it was a emotional like there was hugs there was you know she would she loved everybody she loved everything she you know she was just love that's what she that's what she was and that dichotomy i see both of those in myself and it's you know it's weird it's weird and it's good you got the example, because then you can, we have a broader pool to, 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 to draw from. You know, unfortunately, with like some of them, man, growing up shit, like we're, we're creating, your kids are probably going to have a different kind of way of navigating and moving in the world based on, you know, what your composition of, which yep. is a, you know, um, combination of the your two parents and then your um your wife and then they're going and then when they're kids and then the next thing you know because I feel like eventually at some point this sounds fucked up but we're gonna have the weakest human beings ever in the history. <laughs> you know what? I was just I agree. <laughs> I was just talking to someone about this the other day about the cycle of parents like my dad's dad was a I knew him briefly, but from what my dad tells me, was really bad alcoholic. Like so bad where uh, I think it was junior high, he would have to go to the bar and bring his dad home. That's mm. a common story. Yep. Now you can imagine, like so. That was a cold situation, right? Mm-hmm. I came from. Definitely, on my mom from my mom's side, warm, warm, you know, loving, caring, and uh, and my kids are coming from too warm, warm. Yep. <laughs> so to your point, like, so I wonder how our kids are. So are they going to end up? Are they going to be? Because I was a good kid, and I wonder if how, how us showering them with love on a continuous basis—it's it, not healthy. 
<laughs> from a so, I, get, so, I get salty with them and tell and put them in their place, but now the environment is. Changing I tell them I love too. them multiple times a right, day. Right. What my dad, who knows if my dad ever told my dad that he loved right, him. Right. So, it, and when I say not healthy, meaning, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Sure, I know. Like, I know it, I know it's a, mean. it's a cycle like everything else in life. Because we're going to produce weak kids that end up producing strong. Because through the weakness, through the weakness, you develop strength. What is weak, though? So, I'm going to tell you what strong is. I'm going to tell you what strong is. It's daddy's daddy. Yeah, to get through the, the, the late 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> that's strong. But that's a different time. This is my point. You don't have to have hard hands to be so 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 what I'm saying is so what I'm saying is that the conditions create the individual and you can create conditions for an individual that and then the individual have to change and create the conditions. So and it's a cycle. There's nothing's gonna ever get better, 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 better in perpetuity. The goal is to do the best that you can when you can. And in the pursuit of doing that, you create a cycle. You just you just create a cycle. Because hopefully it's a cycle that moves like this, though. It, it will. You know, it, yeah. that, that's it. A spiral up or or because even you can go up so far, you feel like you're going. But, but the universal shit. But I don't think that. We're talking, we're obviously evolving from a physical to more of a mental and, mm. and, and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. So problem sure. solving and, you right. know, using your brain and mind and, you know, emotional and mental aptitude, blah, 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 all of that shit. We're using different tools. Right. But the people, kids now, they don't have a strong connection with certain things, but they're going to develop more problems that are going to create weak weak elements that they have to grow from. I understand that, but I, I'm saying like, I think that because the, the, the tools are, well, uh, the, yeah, the tools are different, that, you know, that people have to adapt, right? So I don't have to raise but they a, don't. a son that knows how to break rocks with a brick. But they don't adapt. Hammer. They do. It's adapt. You adapt because instead of me focusing on teaching them how to break rocks with a hammer, I teach them how to problem solve and be strong in your pursuit and understand how to fail and understand that mm. failing is part of your growth. And we didn't do. I didn't have that. Like if you fail, that was the worst thing you could ever do. Mm. But but as you're doing but that, is that does that is that teaching any weakness? But there's or is a, that just teaching something different? I give you an example. You're going to do all of that, right? A meteor comes and hits all of this bullshit and there's no electricity. How many people going to die in the first year because they don't know how to build a house and get water from the place? So all these thoughts and brain power and all of this old shit that we got, that's going. Now, you go, you go to Papa, Papa Rose. <laughs> it, when, that elect, when, that, when that shit comes, he's going to be a hard dude. He's going to be in the... He gonna be at the bar, but guess what? He gonna be able to do too. He gonna know how to make some shit. I'm not saying saying he's good. he prefers that. He, but he would excel. He would. He, <laughs> he, 
he would, and he would be very happy. So, so what, what, what I'm saying is, is in the pursuit of improving efficiencies in this area, because you can't be strong in all things, we're getting more and more disconnected from base level survival shit because we're doing, spending so much time sure. getting in our emotions and connecting with things and how we feel and all of that. When you build in a house, for your wife, because that's all you can do. You ain't got time to be worrying about your feelings. You got to put a roof over the head. It's all that I'm saying. So as we do that, we're going to come to a point that where we're those base level skills are going to be needed. But we're going to we're going to have a lot of thinkers. We're going to have we're going to have a lot of people who connected to their feelings, but they can't they can't start a fire. Oh, I, I, I get and that. they're going to die. I get that. But again, I feel like the same point. I guess you got to evolve, like evolve. And then, like, so yeah. you then you evolve and do something else out of that. <laughs> okay. Our people, our kids ain't gonna be worrying about. There, there, there probably more than likely won't be a period in time where our kids are gonna have to talk. Well, I had to walk ten miles to go to school. No, they won't. But they're gonna have to have an. They're gonna have to have a relatively equivalent struggle to overcome for their period of time. I just feel like, dog, it's all in. So if, a, so if, I, if I raise my kids to understand failure and understand problem solving and understand not just how to build a house, but how to solve problems, then if a meteor hit, I would think that they would say, okay, I don't have no electricity. I got to figure something out. I gotta figure out how to build a damn house. But they're gonna spend I can problem solve on that house. They're gonna spend 10 minutes, they're gonna spend 10 years talking about how they feel about having to build a house. I don't know if they're gonna spend 10 years. They're gonna, they gonna spend six months. They're gonna spend 10 minutes. We're raising our kids for the environment that they're in. That's okay. true. I mean, we're yeah. you, you not can raising you imagine your kid. raising your kid on an island compared to how you were yeah. you raise your kid now. It'd be totally and, and, different. And, and I, but I really, and how they end up, you know, fast forward 20 years, I would love to see the difference of those two people. Yeah. You know? And, and so, and imagine now, one of the biggest challenges I think we have with a lot of our kids, or our age range, a lot of us were raised to go get jobs. Well, guess what? Right. Ain't that many of them. You got three, four, five hundred applications being Not submitted that, for each for, for the jobs that we want. How and how many people are happy in those jobs? Right. That's the thing. Like, it's scary that we're. I know we've heard about this on social media a lot, and like how you're conditioned to go to high school and college and get a job that you that you don't end up liking. Yeah. But that that's what you're supposed to do. But I think that's changing. It's got to be changing because yeah. it's been being talked about so much. It's got, and, and for two, you're not setting your kids up to win. At the rate, at the reproductive rate in the population growth, there aren't or won't be enough jobs. So if you can't, you can't teach your kid, you can't tell them to go to school, go to college and get a job. You better tell their ass if they're going to be competing, you better have a skill. You better have a skill and know how to create an opportunity for yourself. Because if the expectation is that there's going to be one waiting, 
with the population growth and relative to the number of, of, of positions available, they just won't be there. It just it's, it's not a good way of setting them up. 20, 30 years from now, automation, all of this old other shit, it, it, it just won't. It just it just won't be there. That made me think of something that was trippy when I first saw it. My mom kept a, a great book or folder of things I accomplished growing up, all the way through high school. Wow. You know, big folders of papers, pictures, accomplishments. And each time, you know, you fill out, fill it out, your name, grade, whatever. What you want to be when you grow up, right? My senior year, I looked back at it after I had gone through my psychosis and depression. Not gone through it, still. I go, I go, because we're talking about jobs and what you're supposed to do and be. And my senior entry, what I wanted, what I wanted to do when I grew up, I wrote survive. Mm. Hmm. Crazy. And I wasn't that. I don't know if I self premonition or whatever. Like, yeah. Do you feel like that's what you're doing now? No. Okay. I'm. It's what I did. I survived. Yeah. And now, you know, I, I brushed on this earlier that I thought I was convinced my life was not going to get better after the great childhood I had in even college years. And I, I can't explain to you. I've had a whole second life that blows the first life out of the water. You know? That's dope. And everything, even, even not playing basketball makes a hundred, makes all the sense in the world because I have these two Beautiful kids and wife. Yeah. If I would have played basketball at some Division two school, it, it, it would have, you know. Yeah, it would have been different. I, it makes different. everything that still bothers me, I can go through the process of what I do on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, of everything worked out. Couldn't imagine any, any better result. And I had to go through all that and, Yep. Stuff didn't work out that I thought 100% was going to work out. Yep. How you like being a husband, man? Husband, huh? Uh, I, it's, it's, it just caught me off guard because I've just been in father mode, you know, through this discussion. And, yep. Um, but uh, I guess... Great. I mean, me and my wife, uh, she's far, she's nine years younger than me. And uh, we were able to have a great pre kid life and marriage, you know, which I think goes a long way. You know, we were traveling the world, you know, for a good seven years before we had. Before we were, had kids and married, you know. Yeah. Um, that's a loaded question, though, for whatever reason. Do you think? 
as opposed to not being a husband or not being married? No, I just, I know it's tough. I, would, I wouldn't be shit without my wife. <laughs> okay. I, she does everything. <laughs> How does that as make far, you? As far as, uh, I mean, of course, like all the financials and like, I don't think, I think I'd be homeless. Because <laughs> I want to like- do my tax, I want to be able to do my taxes. It'd be so well overwhelming for me. Do you feel like in those times when she uh, understands, do you think that she, uh, I mean, how do you think that she, I don't know, it seems like a lot of times like people around you suffer when you surfer because they feel bad because you they don't want you to feel the way nah, you she's feel. a rock, man. She's she's my dad in the family. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So do you think she's that because that's the role she feels she has to play? No, that's just who she is. And the funny thing is, uh, <laughs> I got you. My, my, my wife and my dad don't get along. <laughs> because of that, because they're the same person. <laughs> you married your dad. <laughs> uh, Papa Rose. <laughs> they love each other and respect each other. Yeah. And pretend to hang out and have a good time. But deep down, they're, yeah. they're, they're too different. That's funny. Or the, they're the exact same. Yeah. How long you been married? <laughs> Coming up on my 13th anniversary. When is the day? May Jordan. <laughs> May 23rd. Nice. May Jordan. You say hey, happy Jordan Day every day, every every month. Yeah. Every month. Um, She's, she was born on January Jordan. Nice. My MFA show is April Jordan. <laughs> today? Isn't that today? Uh, yesterday. 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 But uh, I don't know how long this is going. We could probably talk forever. But um, I do want to come back at some point and talk more about um, culture and cultural influence on me and and where we were going with feeling natural in that environment. And and what I've talked to my my boy, my boy's mom. I've tried a few times. I want to sit down with her. You know, she's an older, older black lady. And um, just talk, talk about feeling natural. I don't know. I, don't know what I'm, I, don't I know. mean, it, it's, I mean. Does it have to do with the soul? No, nah, it's just. I mean, we talk about this shit all the time. This whole race thing is really a trick bag game. I think there are deeper connections. A lot of times we connect to people on a on a cultural level. That race thing is don't even it's just something that that's put on us. Right. Sure. Connections on a cultural level is connections through. Take kids. Kids are a great example. I know exactly. it's said before, but kids don't. They don't care. Don't and see. all the they culture is, is what people do. And they what they have in common. Yeah, but like, the, like what do you do? Like, that's a part of your culture. So, and what, and, what, and what people generally, what we define as actions is what people, how people talk, dance, music they listen to, food they eat, what people do. Yeah. And so when we're talking about connecting to culture, you're just really talking about connecting to what people do. And what you do. And what you, or, and, and sometimes what I feel you're, Connecting what you're what you're describing 
you're connecting to is the rhythm. Mm. I feel like there is a certain rhythm that exists mm -hmm. and a certain energy and a tone that just doesn't exist. And it's a something, because I don't want to blow somebody up. So <laughs> you can be disconnected from the rhythm, even having the same skin tone. And when you're disconnected from the, if you're not, if you have little familiarity or any, if you have little to no familiarity with the rhythm, it can come off as something different. And it can be off-putting in some instances. And if you connect to it, it can be a natural thing that just resonates. Mm -hmm. And so what I feel, and is a, because a, a lot of it is just like, and our rhythm shows up in our food, shows up in our music, shows up in our, 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 the way that we dress, the way that we walk. And, 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 and some of that might be related to freedom or something along those lines or, or, or self-acceptance that you connect with, but it's not, I don't think it's the, the color because to his point, that's the trick bag. The fact that we get caught up so often on skin tone. The reason- Is it similar to mental illness and labels? You've gotta be mentally fucking ill <laughs> to judge somebody based on the color of their skin. You, it is. You literally is. have to. Yeah. And I think racism is a mental illness so <laughs> common that we don't even call it an illness right. anymore. And to your point, that label, once you believe in a label that you, like if you're a kid and they, somebody says you have ADHD and you fall into that line, like it's so hard mm. to come out of that. You lean on that label. You become more that thing than, than you would have if nobody told you that that's what you are dealing with. If they just described it and said, hey, you're having problems with X, Y, and Z. We're just going to, this is how we're going to navigate this. As opposed to giving you that label, it's the same thing. Somebody gives you a label as this, that means you don't, aren't supposed to like this or you're, this is foreign to you or whatever, man. It's, I mean, I, I think that's true, man. We all have a rhythm and a culture and a thing that we sort of gravitate towards or, or creative or an outlet and all that stuff. And when we find a common, like a tribe that does that, you're just connected to it. Regardless of, I, again, we've been around DJs, artists, all that stuff of every kind of hue and, and it never matters. It never matters. And the only reason it matters, the only, well, we're not blind, right? So it matters mm -hmm. to the degree that you get to acknowledge the person. It, does, it bothers me when people say they don't see color. Like, no, <laughs> that's not the path to, to, to you got to acknowledge it. It's like mm -hmm. me saying you don't wear glasses. Like, well, I'm going to sit up here and hold up something here. Oh, I don't see glasses. Like, you can't read it, idiot. But I know that, you're, I know that the way that you move in this space, you're perceived different than I am. Your how you deal with that, how you manage it, how you overcome it, me understanding that story about you can help me appreciate you and see you more, see you more clearly because of the things you got in the same way you understanding like how I have to move in another space because our paint jobs 
require <laughs> us to operate <laughs> in a specific way. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just the world that we live in. Um, but in terms of me judging you, or, or, or in terms of the, my perception of one's value, it's never going to be based on the skin. It's based on your work. It's based on your heart, man. It's based on how much you love. It's based on how much, how well you treat, you know, a stranger. You know, that's just as mm-hmm. important to me as how much you treat the people you love. Mm-hmm. Like those things are what define a, a, a human being for me more so than the color of their skin. And I'm gonna rock with you till the motherfucking wheels fall off. If you got, if you got, if you pure and you you got love in your heart, man, and you you an honest individual, regardless of what your your paint job is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to as well because I do think that there's um, an opportunity there. I always had a belief. The one thing I feel black and white people got to do is be more honest about their feelings and about their deepest, darkest shit. And it's a big issue when we don't feel we can be honest for fear of being labeled one thing or another. And if you've got a homeboy and his and his um, mom, I wouldn't. And if they your real people, like if they're your people's peoples, which it sounds like they are, use that as an opportunity, man, to 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 clear up any thoughts or any mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. or to learn more because that is a loving space mm-hmm. that your that your friendship has created. And you get to use that for whatever you want to use it for. And um, I would say get them uncomfortable. Mm. Get them real uncomfortable with with your questions, with your thoughts. Because we all are ignorant to the other person. Mm. And ignorance isn't the same as as an intentional um, infraction. It's It's just ignorance. And love can help clear up you know, a lot of that ambiguity, but we've got to at least, you know, take the first step. Um, no, that's a great point. And I, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. That was really going through my head during last year with all the racial injustice, whatever you want to label it, call it. Yeah. You know, when it shit was really hitting the fan. And it, of course, it's, hit, it's been hitting the fan forever. Yeah. But, yeah. It was okay to acknowledge it and talk about it. Or things were so bad that it, yeah, even work was talking. Like, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I thought about talking with them about what I can do. You know, yeah, yeah, to help the situation or just have a conversation about about it with them. Yeah. And if, yeah, you didn't ask me, but I'm gonna tell you <laughs> what, what, what I think you can do mm. is be honest about your feelings and share them with people and give them an opportunity. And because most of the work that you have to do as a white man ain't with black people. Yeah. It's with, moms and pops and uncles and aunties and thanksgivings and all of those kinds of shits. Mm -hmm. That's where your work 
as mm -hmm. a white man is and with your daughters mm -hmm. and with we're good mm -hmm. if white people left us the fuck alone for the most part we'd be <laughs> relatively cool we got a gang of shit we need to get right bro as people but our our most valuable allies are the ones that are doing the work and looking real fucking weird to their people. Mm, yeah. In their spaces. Because it's real easy to come over here, not to say you're doing it, but it's real easy to come over to, and I don't want to say the lines, it's real easy to associate and connect, like, but, but like, we're not at y'all dinner table and hearing this shit and seeing this shit and and that doesn't mean you people necessarily go in those spaces and blowing up the spot, but you know, because all of it's gotta be with love. But I guess I'm saying that to say, um, most of your, all 99% of your work is on that side of the mm -hmm. house. And then just coming back to us and being like, hey man, I don't really get why. I would love for a white person who I love and respected that came to me and be like, man, why do black people do this? I just don't fucking get it. Like, it's weird to me. Like, why are y'all still talking about this shit after so long? If that's how they really felt, mm. maybe I could come back to them and offer up a counterpoint or, or just share and open up. But what happens in most cases is that that thought that they're concerned about being viewed as a non-ally never gets shared. So it never gets challenged. And and, 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 and and subsequently never gets taken back as a seed onto their side of the house where it can really grow and be planted in other areas and grow into something else. Because if you're feeling it or thinking it, then that means somebody else on your side is, and you've got a legitimate disconnect or, or with that, that you could clear up because you got a relationship. If 75% or more only hanging, working around, chilling with, with white people, they ain't even got the connection that you have. So use that to your, use that to clear up any bullshit that you, I come off looking real weird to white people, man, because I got a lot of weird motherfucking questions that I ask. I don't ask them at work, but, um, you know, I ask them in safe spaces just to try to understand, you know, same with Jews, same shit, same shit that we do with transsexuals and, and these other communities. I don't understand some of this shit. Mm -hmm. I just don't. So I would hope to, if I develop a friendship or a connection with somebody and I feel safe enough to be like, why y'all got to change your fucking gender, yo? I just don't get it. I don't get it. I would use that relationship as an opportunity to just be like, hey, man, just, just be you. Why you got to change all this old other shit? But I ain't there yet. I talked, I, I, I rambled, my bad. Thank you for coming on, bro. Yes, sir. How you feel? Great. Hey, man, you want to... Uh... I feel uh, it's corny, but like natural, naturally high. Nice. Just so I think we got in a good zone, man. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did.
you're a dope artist, man. I just wanted to make sure that was on the uh, in the ether. Yeah, appreciate it. So, you gonna start DJing somewhere? Uh, nah, I just got a. Uh, I was telling you about the gig at uh, Monroe Street Market. I'll be, I'll be, I'll and be what? spinning records. Like I'm gonna take my turns. It was sprint, like actual. You gonna do vinyl? Yeah. Where okay. Monroe Street Market, um, Arts Walk. It's basically Brooklyn. You know. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right by Brooklyn Metro stop. Yep. Yep. Like you go up, you get out of the metro and go left up those steps towards CUA. Yeah. Um, when is this? CAU. CAU. Um, Saturday mornings, but uh, I think it's fourteenth. Uh, okay. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to be spinning records at the same time. I'll be able to sell sell some art okay. or show display art. Yeah, you're welcome to buy it. But it's been a it's been a I was telling James it's been a good great catalyst to start. I've been producing art like this all all week, and it's been great. And it's so beautiful because we got, I mean, most of the people we have here, they do a lot of different things. And, and we don't, I don't feel like people necessarily come on here to promote anything because we only got seven people. And I don't think that'd be a good use of your time and energy if you expecting, if it's a marketing seven. campaign. <laughs> but you better. Three hours for them seven, eight, really. You better, Man, off, you better off just standing in front of New York Avenue exactly. and yelling exactly. out your damn website. For three hours. <laughs> but but I, it's. um. We just use it to connect, man, and try to have sure, different sure, kinds sure. of conversations. Yeah. I think it's cool for, for, yeah. for men to just sit up and just chat, man, and chop it up about about a bunch of different things, mainly about, you know, stuff that we struggling with, challenges yeah. or whatever. Yep. So um, you do a lot of shit. And we'll have you back, man, so you can talk more about that. Yeah. Monroe Street Market. Monroe Street Market. Saturday morning. Great produce. Great people. Farmer's Market. Good vibe. Good family vibe. Dope. Shout out to the Roses. Roses. You live in? Where do you live? North Virginia, D.C.? D.C. Okay. Northeast, right past Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, so Michigan, you're in the neighborhood. Michigan Park. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, yeah. I got a lot of things, like, in my mind right now that I could say, but it would just go down. It, we would just be here forever. So, hope maybe I'll, I'll jot some stuff down. We can make a part two. We're down for a part two. So... Let me say this real quick. When I'm depressed, there's no art being made. <laughs> and I know if I were to make art, I'd probably feel better. Mm-hmm. But it's not happening. Same way as I know for a fact, if I, when I'm depressed, I know for a fact if I go outside and walk around the block, I'm yeah. going to feel better. Yeah. But there's no, going, there's, no, there's no getting up. So why don't you? That's, this is the depre- it's being depressed. That's how Because <laughs> you're depressed. There's so, no get. I can't get up. Yeah. But that's. I don't so, want. I don't want to get up. I can't get up. So yeah. thanks. So that's why I'm asked. So I asked you, and you at least, the reason why I was asking what it looks like, and to describe it, is to separate the word from the mm-hmm. action. Yeah, yeah. Because, I feel like we have, at this age. I feel like we have a strong enough relationship to the process to where we know 
what's going on. I don't feel like depression starts before it's depression, mm-hmm. before it's the word. And the reason why I was asking you is because like for me, when I said it was starting slow, I'm starting to see. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing the common threads in the loop. Mm -hmm. I don't call that depression, Mm -hmm. but I know that for what I, so I describe what depression feels like, and then I monitor patterns Mm -hmm. that reproduce that feeling, and I have a strong enough relationship to it to where I know what the fuck I need to do to suspend or to stop the patterns. And then I choose whether or not I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So to the point that you make, I know that I need, I know. So here's, you just said it. I know that I can go outside and feel better and I don't. Mm-hmm. It's not even an option. Right. I'm not, so, I'm not, I'm not doing but it. you're choosing it. <sighs> yeah. There's definitely times where I'm not fighting this right now, you know, and that's so. Yeah, and that's that's okay too, mm-hmm. because we get. This is where I feel like the power. Let me rephrase it, and I think this is important. I'd rather we talk about this. I'd rather we just do this and just say fuck the other shit. <laughs> no more coasters. The relationship is to that conversation you get to not go but you don't get to say you don't know why you wait, don't wait. say it again you you get to not move but you don't get to say you don't know why oh right right you know why you're just choosing not to well you're not just you it is it's literally that simple <sighs> before bro i didn't know why yeah before oh, I didn't right, right. know why I that's, didn't. That's a scary place to be. That was yeah. scary as a motherfucker. Right. So, and, and and what I think is helpful to people who don't know is that there's a path you can figure it out. I figured it out. He's mm-hmm. figured it out. Mm-hmm. He knows what he needs to do. Right. He just doesn't do it with love. I'm saying this with love. Sure. Before I didn't know, I had to bump around so much. Mm-hmm. I had to be in the dark for so goddamn long. Yep. I had to talk to so many fucking idiots about my feelings right. and, and, and trying to figure stuff out to where I've developed tools. I mm-hmm. know what the tools are. Mm-hmm. It's like saying I got a hammer, bro. If, we, if, you, if you separate the you and all of the other stuff and look at it in a very basic, if you had to nail a picture up on the wall and you needed a hammer and you got a hammer in there and yet and still you go and try to use your hand that's you that's not the hammer now I'm not gonna sit up here and look at you crazy for choosing to use your hand but I'm gonna ask you why you using your hand bro you got a hammer right there maybe me asking you why you're doing it that way will help you ask yourself why am I doing this this way when I want to hang this picture. Cause sometimes we just want to be in the shit. And that's ultimately what, where I think the conversation for me inside my head. Sometimes I just want to feel like shit. Flat out. I ain't got to call that depression. 
I ain't got to call that nothing. I just literally feel like feeling like shit. So I'm going to feel like shit for a minute. I'm going to tell my lady I feel like feeling like shit, and I'm just going to move in this way. That's where the communication is very important. Yeah. Because then if you're feeling like shit and not telling someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different thing, too. But if you know, you know walking around the block makes you feel better. You know doing the R shit makes you feel better. These things we know. So the real question is, mm. why are we not choosing that? That has nothing to do with depression. That's a different conversation, bro. Nah, I don't know. To me, the depression is knowing what to do and not doing it. Mm. Or knowing that will help. It's not going to solve my depression, but I will feel better if I go outside. So what is depression? So, so this is what I mean when I... So removing the label, removing the label, we, it's not about making it going away. I feel like all this shit is just a part of life. This is what I tell myself to make sense of the shit. Highs is highs and lows is lows. Kids don't mm -hmm. like fucking sitting still. In the third grade, they like running around. You're not gonna call my kid ADHD because he likes running around. <laughs> so, life is hard. We don't necessarily always, I feel like through life, we develop tools. We acquire tools to help. The mental thing is real the inability to manage and to know what we need is real. But there are some of us who have a strong enough and who have developed a strong enough relationship to ourselves that know. So I don't think it ever goes away. I think we just get better at managing it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because the same dial that we turn this way, we get to turn the other motherfucking way too. And I thank God for the dial because I get to tap into people's emotions. I get to tap into feelings. I get this intuition when somebody needs a call, when somebody needs to be connected to. I know when some shit's going on or whatever, whatever, whatever. So that dial works both ways. And in knowing that, I also know that I just move through it. It's not something that... Because I get to, I get to not be okay. That's that's a that's a choice. Mm. <laughs> I get to I get to not be okay. You so when you don't when you're not okay and you you so you look over at your wife, right? Okay, let me get it. Let me say it something a different way. If your house was on fire, right, I'm out of there. <laughs> and you knew. That you had to leave, but you were depressed. Right. In that moment, you wouldn't be like, I ain't leaving. Right. You'd be like, I'm out this motherfucker. You walk around a block then. 
No, you're, you're totally right. It, so it's motivation. <clears throat> if you were to say I would just sit in that motherfucker and let the, the roof just cave in on me, then I'd be like, okay, there's a different thing. But we know if we, and I'm not saying this to minimize, by the way, anything that you're sure. saying about your relationship to the stuff. What, what, I'm, what, I'm, what, what I feel like I'm in, what I'm, not feel, what I'm trying to do is to, to, to highlight a different perspective of the relationship with your choice. Like you have, you're choosing yeah, that. I guess I guess it comes down to fight it or choose it. I choose to fight it so much that sometimes I just give. I, I I'm not like I choose not to fight it. Well, I mean, don't fight. So sometimes I don't. Sometimes you go through right, and you just go through it. However you choose, however you go through it, that's how you go through it. Sometimes we get up and go outside. Sometimes I, we talked about this before. Sometimes I, I got to take care of plants. I got to do something. I got to get moving. I got to get my mind in this yeah. motion to start to, to start me to understanding that I'm going through this thing, right? Some of us decide that we're just going to go through it in these quiet spaces. And that's okay too. But I mean, some of us decide that we're going to walk around the block. Some of us interchange all that shit and however it needs to be interchanged. But there's a choice involved because you choose not to do anything. I choose to go through this sitting right here on this goddamn couch, doing nothing, being quiet. That's how I choose to go through it. But you understand that there's a there's an end to it, or there's a coming out of it, right? And I think that that <coughs> and all this just cut off because I think this is worth. This is just us talking. the thing that was freeing to me is when I realized that I was choosing it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was beating myself up for choosing it. Mm -hmm. And having the conversation in my head that says, I know <coughs> I'm choosing this. I'm just going to choose it. Like right now, when I said my shit is starting slow, I'm choosing it. I know that I am, but I'm trying to understand why I'm choosing it mm -hmm. as opposed to judging myself for choosing it. Mm -hmm. I got this shit going on, as I was telling you before, with my lady. I'm choosing it. I'm trying to see. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I know that I'm choosing it because guess what? I know what the fuck I can do. I have my walk around the block equivalent. I have my art equivalent. I have all the things. I got the hammer. I know I can just go and nail the shit up. That is such a blessing, by the way, to be able to know. And some people, I don't feel get to that. Mm -hmm. When they taking themselves out, bro, they taking themselves out because they don't feel that they can acquire those yeah, tools. Yeah, definitely. 100%. But here's the thing, though. Even, even choosing to sit still and go through it that way is still dealing with it. But that's hard, bro. You're it's, right. Depending no, on... That's the, last, that's the last line. Like, you know but, I mean? like, 
But it's it's still no, seeing but, but, there is an end to it. But but, but but I'm going I'm going through this sitting still. Yeah, like but I, I see what you're and it's it's all choices. But 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 that but that going see, I don't feel that low is low yeah. and going through it is like years. And that is unbearable depending on what that person's low feels yeah. like to what them. What do you mean going through it is years? Going through it for years. Imagine yeah. feeling your lowest right, low right. for years. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm saying if, okay, let's say. And they moving around. They look like they having a good time. Yeah. But yeah. they really ain't. But let's say, okay, let's say, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like doing shit. I don't, I'm not in a good space to do anything, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just gotta sit there, and 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 sit there, mm-hmm. and sit there until I feel like moving. Okay, right? That's part of it. Like I'm not gonna beat myself up. I'm not gonna feel like I gave up because I'm taking a moment to sit still for a minute. But there are people who are sitting still for years. Exactly. That's very true. So that's what I'm saying. Right. So that to just what yeah. you're saying, just sitting in it and chilling. It's definitely necessary. Right. And you shouldn't beat yourself up. Right. But right. the but people who are taking themselves out of here right. are the ones who are stay feeling there. like that for years. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what their relationship is to it or what they felt like they couldn't go through, but I think it is helpful. I think it's helpful. There's something in my spirit that says it's right for people to know that you can feel that way and get to the other end Mm -hmm. to where you have acquired tools and still choose to not use them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Still choose to not use them. Because what you what I what I realized is that even now that I have the tools, I still don't use them. I spend all that time trying to acquire tools. Okay, I got the tools, now don't use them. Now what the fuck were you really dealing with, idiot? Let's have that, there's a different (laughs) conversation Mm -hmm. that you have once you have the tools. You spend all of this time trying to find them and once you get them, you don't use them? The fuck is that about? We gotta be honest about that. That's a different question than trying to get them. Even when we go in and taking pills. When we go and we were getting, when they were, when a doctor, let's say when I, I, let's say I did take the pills that the doctor gave me when I was 31, 30, 31. I wouldn't have fucking kept them. I was trying to do some other shit. I'm having a whole <laughs> different kind of, com, I'm having something totally different take place up here because a lot of us are finding the tools and still choosing to not go through with them. I don't think that's depression. I think, I think, and that's why I don't like using the label, because, because what depression is for me is a mental loop that I don't feel like I can get out of. That's when I when I say depression, that's what I'm describing that is going on in my feelings and in my thoughts. And so breaking that. Knowing how to break it, is that a disruption of depression? Or, 
Because I don't want to walk around here calling myself somebody who suffers from depression. I feel like I'm somebody who suffers from life. <laughs> life is fucking hard. And I don't even want to say it's suffering anymore. Like, because like living is a part of living is suffering. So as I'm going through that process of trying to normalize these words and these labels and all of that kind of shit, the more I start to let the fucking words go and just start, to start describing the feelings. And that's why I was kind of a little bit, not forcing, I was, I was focused on what does that shit feel like to you? And we get all the way to the tail end for you to say, you, like, you know what to do. You know, bro. Just told me. <laughs> you, just told me. you put an extra burden on your wife. You just said that through your mouth. You're choosing to be an extra burden. Mm. So the question is why? Not to beat yourself up in that way, bro, but to understand it and then to ask yourself do you want to choose something different? When do you want to choose something different? Because you get to choose something different. You got the tools. There's, a, there, there's something going on in your relationship to the feelings that's different, I feel, based on what you're saying. My father died, bro. He could have went to the hospital. He knew something was wrong. He didn't want to go. Why in the fuck would you mm. not want to go to the hospital he was 200 pounds, 6'2", beautiful man, paws, beautiful. This nigga gets down to 110 pounds. Ain't nobody trying to get him to go check, see what the fuck is going on. Illness gets to a point to where he, now it's irreversible. But you could have gone. You knew something was wrong. Now, now you want to do everything you can. The choice was made. The choice was made. Now you want to try every fucking experimental drug on the planet. Choice was made. We got the cures, quote unquote. The question I think you and me and everybody else who struggles with this shit that we really need to answer is that why are we choosing what we're choosing? And then asking because once you answer that, you start loving Pops and seeing Pops a little differently, but a choice that he's continuing to make over and over again about why he's not doing this thing in the way that he's doing it. The relationship to every motherfucking thing else changes once we start answering these questions that on, on like why we're choosing what we're choosing. Imagine your wife. I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, you ain't. <clears throat> Knows that you know. Knows that you know. Imagine if your daughters know that you know. Know that you know. Our kids, imagine if they know that we know. How do we answer that to them? If we know. <clears throat> it's a when I'm depressed the weight 
Well, that depression is so heavy. That choice is uh, it's not po- it's not possible. It's too much weight. Okay, I'm not lifting it right now. Okay, the house is on fire. I can lift it. <laughs> you know, I can go through life being depressed. I can fake it. I'm having a good week this week, and I'm genuinely happy and, and, and excited. But the majority of the time, I would say, if people knew the way I was feeling, <laughs> it, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm faking. I'm, I'm not. I'm just here. I'm not. Ha- I'm not happy. My kids don't know the difference, but my wife. I can tell my wife, I'm like, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm not, ha- I'm, I don't know. So is depression a process for I you? I can fake or is it, it and then just... when, I'm, when I'm in bed, I'm no longer faking it. <laughs> like, yeah. So is depression a process for you? Or is it just a place you just wake up and, and be at? Uh, it's just, it's, what, ask the question again. <laughs> is depression a process or is it just a place you just arrive at without realizing how you got there? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what it is. Yeah. So you just, but I, I look at it as also I'm, I'm emotionally fragile. Mm. Mm. Things can affect me greatly, and and sway. The depression, it can hit, it can affect, it can spark the depression, no doubt. And I don't know if that's because I'm already feeling down. Right. <laughs> like, it, it, I take criticism horribly. You know, for the most part. Positive reinforcement goes a long way with me. Yeah. It sounds like a little kid, but... If I'm at, if I'm doing my work for work, doing something, and I get, even, that's a great job. I love it. That that can lift that that goes a long way with me. And that's wild because you're in a profession that criticism is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's. It's I'm talking about graphic design. System. I'm talking yeah. about work. I'm gonna have a much better day. If uh, if someone compliments the job that I did. Even if I did a great job and no one says it, I, it's going to affect me more than it should. You know? Do you feel like, because a lot of times I like something would remind me of something and that starts that oh, slow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I, that's the loop. Like that's that slow loop. Um, so that sway for me is that. Like you know what, and yeah. it's not even having to be anything <laughs> bad or critical or whatever. It's just a a reminder of something. This is gonna this is gonna sum up something you can relate to. Almost every DJ gig, majority of the time, have a great great time. Great great gig, even great like feedback. The next day, 
all I'll be able to focus on is I should have played something different. Man. It's so silly. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Or that or that one person that wasn't dancing. Yeah. In the corner that Or the one person not. came up and asked you to play something. Right. Like, can you just pick it up? Right, exactly. That one, right. That thing. That, is I that mean, a DJ thing be, or is that a mental health thing? It's a D, so this is what I'm trying to this is <clears throat> this is there's nothing wrong with this shit, bro. I think if we we get in our we get in our head so much about it, it makes us feel like it's just us. And it's everybody who think anybody who's halfway good at any motherfucking thing is critical of their shit. Thinks about this is how you get perfection. I think it's the relationship that we have with ourselves when we beat ourselves up for thinking. I gave myself permission (laughs) to feel like shit. I can't even tell you how powerful that is. It takes it takes the the. it takes the sting of the of the analysis away by just giving myself permission to feel like that. I give myself permission to be critical of myself and not see it as a bad thing. Everything that we talk about doing, we're judging it. There's a there's a story around it that we're adding. And what I'm saying is Telling a different story about the story is a part of shifting your relationship to it. Because once you start telling yourself different stuff about it, you kind of like just move through it. So yeah, you can have a fucked up feeling or thought about a DJ gig or, or, or oh damn, I should have did that. Yeah, I should have did that. You're like, yeah, I should have. Okay. Now, am I going to add the other piece? You suck. Maybe I do say that, but maybe I also say, yeah, I suck, but I'm dope too. Maybe I add two parts to it. My fault, my, what I hate about myself, and uh, it's a pro every time. I don't know why I decide to dwell on the one negative compared to the 98% yeah. greatness. And the one negative really ain't negative. Right. But, but, but listen, this is the, the freeing world. shit, bro. The negative is true, too. Now what? Mm. Now what? Somebody at work trying to make me feel bad for fucking up something? <laughs> okay. I knew it. I knew it. N- now what? We're telling ourselves stories about the stories. We can change that. If you're critical of yourself, you got to own that. That's a path to the other side. We are trying to reject that shit. And, and it's almost like we create a fight. We create conflict like this when we're trying to say the other shit. Nah, bro, it's like, yeah, okay. I suck sometimes, but I do some Do you believe in God? 
No. For the universe? You Do I believe in the universe? You believe in like universal <laughs> laws, mathematics, and all that old kind of shit? Balance and I'm everything? I'm not good at math. No. Uh, balance math. and I'm not good at math. Yeah, yin I, and yang and all of that? Yes. That's, my, that's what I resonate with. And that's what helps me. Believing in principles that I can't see but understand to be true. Right. And I can't be a piece of shit, bro, if I'm not also great. And I can't be great without being a piece of shit. I just get to go between them. And to know that it's easier, and, and, and mind you, like this is shit that I use to help deal with the things that you're talking about dealing with I think I'm fat dude morbidly obese when I look in the mirror I see a fat human being I hate showing skin you're saying that for real for real it's one of the reasons why I wear long sleeves bro it'll be hot in the motherfucker outside and I'll be walking around here in long mm. sleeves every time you see me in something short sleeve know that I had a conversation that day about being fat. Hmm. I wear hats because it's like my fucking cape. It helps me cover. I don't like the way my face looks. I'm self-conscious about my teeth. Every day I get up, I got a hundred million motherfucking negative stories I'm telling myself. But I got a hundred and million good ones too. And I had to stop fighting all of that shit and just telling myself, Accepting the fact that that yin and yang, that that duality in the universe, fuck James, it exists in the universe. So if it exists in the universe, it got to exist in my little punk ass. So all of that bullshit, there's something in me that's countering that. <coughs> that I just, I figure out a way. So if I'm wearing, so if today I feel like, I'm fat or overweight or whatever the case may be. I might focus on the fact that I got feeling a little swaggy today. So, okay, I feel fat today, but I'm going to feel swaggy. And let's say I feel fat and don't feel swaggy. I'm going to feel like I got, there's something. Well, that's a powerful tool that you have then to be able to do that. This, but it's the universe. And, we, and, and here's the thing, though. I think we're all doing something to just get through yeah am i gonna call what i'm doing depression or poor self-image or whatever the mm. fuck it is i'm just i just call it living i just call it living maybe it's all of that shit it's definitely something dog when i look in the mirror and i see somebody 285 pounds I, that, that, that's, I don't know if the fuck is that psychosis or whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> but I know, I know that if I go two days without eating, bro, I'm going to look in the mirror and, and feel like I'm thinner, and I know I ain't. Hmm. I know I ain't, but I ain't going to get a shit power because just saying it to y'all, saying it out loud takes the, the sting mm -hmm. away from it, mm -hmm. and I know it. Now, right? So, so if I know it and I choose to not. Now, the loop piece that you were talking about, 
I refuse to let it get to me. It's a process. Sometimes it's some, sometimes something can happen that triggers it, that, 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 that makes the process feel accelerated. But in most cases, it's something that's lingering. That's kind of like just building up. And I monitor because I've been dealing with my since I was like 15 from the time probably since even before, but I, I, I know it now, but I don't, I don't let it get that to, to, to that far to where it just can't. That doesn't mean I'm not pushing through though. You know what I'm saying? Like even in the process of doing that, I still got to push through. Do your kids help you push through? Uh, Without them knowing yet, like sub- subliminally, yeah, like, they don't know. Yeah, no, but but yeah, just my knowing that exist, they're there, my kids exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, knowing that they exist for sure, for sure. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> Last thing I'll say is, not. <laughs> I know you're talking about food. I'm hungry as mother. Right? <laughs> Oh, it's the longest I've gone without eating. So now you forever. just said lightweight that I'm fat. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I usually don't go 30 minutes without eating something. Uh, what I was going to say is I can't imagine a different situation of someone else's life and being depressed. Like, I deal with this, and I think I have, like, the perfect life <clears throat> as far as situational. And... Depression. I know. I know. I guess you don't like that. Depression For me, bro. Almost, not yeah. I, depression I, almost ended me in my life. In my eyes, is yeah, is perfect. Like it, it couldn't as far as family and upbringing and race. Yeah, you know. And it it still almost ended me. So I can't imagine someone having a tough life and yeah. having depression. But see, I think that that kind of stuff is relative, though. Yeah. Because, like, even when you say a good life, it's relative. And even when I say, that's why I stopped saying I had a shitty life, bro. And I can have just about as fucked up as a life a human being can have in terms of, like, origin story type shit. But I don't talk like I don't talk about it like that anymore because I just it's too relative. It, what am I? What metrics am I putting in there to even come to that conclusion? To say I didn't have love, I had love. I probably I had what I needed. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. But I'm always so. You can have everything that you feel you needed and still choose something different. Because in life, one plus one ain't two when it comes to some of this shit, man. I think for you, like I'm diagnosing you with some shit. <laughs> and that's not what I'm trying to do, bro, by the way. That's not, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. There is a battle inside of our heads. And in the process of battling, we're beating ourselves up. Without a question. We talk about this more than anything on this motherfucking podcast, bro. 
giving ourselves grace mm -hmm. and giving ourselves permission mm -hmm. to be less than whatever the fuck that means to the individual. Yeah. We spend most of our time talking about that because it's the biggest challenge that we had. Are we being the right father? Are we being the right friend? Did yeah. we say what we could have said to somebody before they passed away? And having It's the story about the stories yep. that, that create these feelings that create the loops. <clears throat> yeah. And it's something about when we just talk about it and we just share it and we describe it to the best of our abilities and get get better at describing what the fuck is happening inside of us. Cause that's something that I don't think, I feel like sometimes we think if we talk about depression, that we're going to create depression. And I think sometimes by talking about the shit and describing it, we actually are, are reducing the power of it. Yeah. Cause, we're, cause it's like now yeah, yeah. Sure. it's like when we talk about, I tell my woman sometimes, as I'm going off on her, I say, I know I'm acting like a fucking kid. I know I'm being a child. I'm choosing to be a child right now. I'm giving myself permission to do that. Now what? And sometimes I say that shit when I'm saying it, and I sound like a fucking idiot, and it'll make me not want to do it anymore. And I get better control of my emotions. So I'm, I try, I'm trying to own all of these shits that I can in real time. Even when you say to your wife in real time, Hey, I'm feeling depressed right now. Like, that's huge. You're yeah. owning it in real time, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, that's a big... So, And this is what I meant when I said earlier. So much about what you're doing is healthy. Right. It's healthy. Yeah. So if you're telling yourself that you're sick, maybe that's a part of it. But there's also a part I would implore you to add which is i got a lot of motherfucking healthy shit that i'm doing i got a lot of i got a lot of healthy productive ways of responding to this shit called life that i need to give my motherfucking self a pat on the back for yeah and that create a different pat pattern yeah even if That's it's in your it mind that creates a, it creates a different pattern because right now the pattern is you know you know your pattern i know my pattern uh, but once you inject that grace piece and that pat on your back, even if it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to be like that, but it starts to create a different pattern yeah. how you look at how you're looking at it. Cause it's there. It's just a matter how you, how you relate to it. We're all probably thinking the same thing is there's no way y'all's pattern is as bad as mine. <laughs> I you think. Know? I think they're I think they're all the same, bro. I think so. It don't even matter. I, when you, I say when I say pattern, I mean my mental yeah. thought process. Yeah. You you think yours is bad. That's what means the most to me as an outside person. You think is bad. And so And that's where I think the power of the mind comes from with some of it. Because we get to create this. You got a million things that you could tell yourself about that day, about any day. But we, we're telling ourselves these certain stories about, yeah. about the shit. Yeah. yeah. So, I know you, you got to go. But why do we yeah. dwell? Like, why do we? 
We like the feeling, man. <laughs> of feeling sh- feeling horrible about yourself? Or, yeah. Or? yeah. Listen, dog. I, my, <laughs> I remember, man, I had such de- destructive behavior, bro. Like, um, and I still fight that feeling of wanting to have destructive behaviors. Because, not because I necessarily couldn't control it, but it was almost like you want to be destructive. You want to tear shit up around. You want to break and tear everything around you up because that's the pattern that you're used to. Because I don't, and I don't feel better. It's just that's what the fuck I'm used to doing. So that's the pattern that you develop. You feel that you feel this thing, right? And once that that loop gets to going, you just start ripping out and tearing up everything around you, bro. And and again, it don't make me feel better. It's just what I'm used to, and that makes me feel better. I don't know what the fuck. Mm. I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, yeah. but at some point, and this <clears throat> is to his point, like depression. There's a process, right? And at some point, you have to insert, or to insert some a different pattern means something different. Like the healthy thing is saying, hey, I feel this way. Like this thing is happening, right? But once at some point you insert something different, then it disrupts that pattern. So now your relationship changes a little bit, even if it's a little bit, even if it's a small, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I said on here before, man, I fucking water plants. And that disrupted my relationship to it. So I won't, so I stopped the destructive behavior. I'm able to catch it. And sometimes I have to go and sit still after I do that. Sometimes I get some air. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But I have to inject something and on a pattern on a regular basis. And that's the choice to disrupt that pattern, man. Because if it goes, it's not your course for me. Yeah. This shit, I mean, it is wild. You know what I'm saying? So I have to in, inject something and understand that, okay, I have to inject something here. I have to choose to inject, and I have to give myself grace. I have to say, man, I'm, you know, yeah, I've dipsetted the shit, but I've also fucking locked it. Locks the shit. Like, I've also shown up this way, but I've shown up, the, and that's okay. Mm. I wanted to, when I was going to therapy, I didn't want to change, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I didn't want to change. Right. When I was doing the medication and shit, I didn't want to change. <laughs> right. I was too comfortable with the pain. That's what it is. I was way too That's comfortable it with it. I was, I was terrified at the idea of feeling something different. That's what it is. And that hmm. going away. That's what it is. So I was way more cool with right. staying like that. Right. But I had to go through the motions so that the people around me and myself didn't mm-hmm. just feel like, nigga, you just totally given up in right. life. Like, you just going to really 100% give up, motherfucker? Mm-hmm. Right. But I'd really given up. But I just didn't want to, I didn't want to admit that. That's right. Because it's, e- it's the easy thing to do? It was, y'all, yeah. It was definitely the path to least resistance. It's comfortable, right. The path, it's comfortable. It's not easy because you feel worse every time. And that shit adds to the shit every other time. So, but it's a comfort in, because you've been doing it so long, it's a comfort in the fuckery. It's like you walk past an alley 
that you don't walk down and got your ass whipped thousands of times. But you <laughs> you gonna walk that ever and you gonna get your instead of just walking the other way and walking past Alley, you gonna because that's what your comfort. And think about this. Until you choose something differently. Until you say, man, look, I gotta do, I gotta, I, I gotta. You had a traumatic experience, second, third grade, about dying that you kind of put to the side and the weed brought up. There, there could potentially be something that you felt that you needed, that you didn't get when you were a kid, so you just cut yourself off. There, a lot of times we've got to go back before we go forward about certain things. Whatever it is, not to judge it, but to understand it. That's really the key, man. Any pursuit of awareness is to understand, not to judge, when it has to do with ourselves. It's a pursuit of understanding. And a lot of times we're doing things that we don't understand why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I keep choosing this. I don't know why I keep choosing it. And because we don't know why, we'll say it's wrong. We'll say it's bad. We'll say it's something. We'll give it a label. And then because we don't know why we're doing it. Or it's counter to the story we want to tell ourselves about ourselves. Sometimes you got to go back and you got to own all the parts of the shit that you spent time trying to motherfucking hide and try to disconnect from just so that you can understand why you're making the decisions that you're making today. And so that you can choose something different, whatever it is. Or at least understand, because I think that's the clarity piece of it. So... You're choosing, and this is the thing with the, with the, uh, with the, we are choosing it. So understanding why we're choosing, and this is another universal principle, I believe, in life, is that we choose in life. Like, these are, these are things that we're choosing. We might not know why. None of this shit we know why, bro. Like, when you look back in your life, hindsight, it all looks perfect. When you think, like, all oh, the steps meeting your woman, and. Having a, like the shit looks perfectly aligned. We can't accept that we manifested that. But you did. You did. You you did, bro. And you got a lot of beautiful things in your life, man a lot of valuable things in your life that you made, that you created. That don't fit the negative narrative, man, that we be trying to tell ourselves, bro, about bullshit. How the fuck can somebody make them two girls, dog? with all their fucking energy and life and love and joy. It don't fit. It's like the OJ glove. It don't fit. 
but you made them. Back in the day. And having to fucking go through them drills in school probably didn't help either. That's what, yeah, I think you asked if, if I had someone who died or passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was the visuals of the, you know, because that was. The movies and shit, they had the video. That time where, yeah. Yep. Arms race. Mm. I see the big uh, mushroom cloud. That was, that was, uh, yeah. I appreciate it's you coming time. on, man, and sharing your shit, bro. Yeah. And um, I don't even know how much of this we going to air or can't air. Like, the shit being <laughs> cut off and shut off. But I think, yeah, I sure. think, I think for, I think as far as this stuff goes, like, and I don't even know how helpful it is to just air the shit. Like in general, me and him set this stuff up and we say it all the time, man, because it, this really is for me and him, bro. Yeah. We create space so that we can shed light on all of the dark shit that we think about because that's the way that it, it loses its power and, 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 and it's about shit. And, we, and, and our hope is to share us doing that with other people so that they can see at least, we, you know, what that looks like if they choose to at least want to go down the path of just trying to figure it out. And it is very important that you two are two black dudes doing it. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it does... I, this is true because we don't. I mean, in general, we don't. But it does transcend. I mean, shit, we, what we're talking about transcends any of that, really. But it's not common. It's not. Right, it's not common, not at all. And we ain't talking about no hoes. We ain't talking about current events. We ain't talking about hip hop. We're not talking about sports. <laughs> yeah. Like the typical shit Hoes. you see. It, I mean, mental health has a stigmatism. And everybody I know dealing with the shit. It's another step, though, for black people to talk about mental health. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a whole different thing. Yep. Because we haven't been given the room. Everything we done, we always kept in close because we were never given the room to really be exp to express it on that level. I, I think a lot of us aren't, weren't, but <clears throat> black But when people, you look, but think about him, though, and this that's is. What I was going to say. It's not that we, nobody in the fucking 1900s, bro, were given the room. Yeah. yeah. That was just the time. I don't give a fuck if you was black, if you was white, if you was green. You wasn't given the room. Right. The environment didn't, didn't, didn't facilitate those kinds of shit, bro. And as a result, people suffered yep. in silence and yep. passed their form. So 
And this is why I think you see us dealing with the shit in a way because they pass something down to us mm-hmm. through the way they suffered. Mm-hmm. That here, we get to still call these people good parents. We get to still feel love. We, get all, we still have all of these positive thoughts about our parents, yet and still, niggas is walking around here feeling empty. Yep. Feeling like, feeling something deeply missing. That came from them too along with a lot of the other shit. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, and, and the key for us now, as where we are, is that we got babies, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we not do that to them? Mm-hmm. Cause despite as much as our parents loved us, they passed some shit down. Mm-hmm. Despite how much they loved us, despite how much they cared. Mm-hmm. So we gotta be mindful of what we passing down to our kids in some kind of way. And a part of that, I feel, is not suffering in silence yep. in a lot of ways. Not necessarily bringing them along for every fucking emotional roller coaster ride that you're on, but at least letting them know and demonstrating what? Managing. Not healing, but managing. Life is hard. That gotta be the motherfucking story. It's just a part pain and suffering. It's just a part of life. It's going on fucking trips and doing all of this old other shit. Yep. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. So how do we show them? You never saw what managing emotions look like. You either saw your mom feeling hella feelings and your dad not feeling nothing at all. And now we feel like we got we to gotta be operating on one of both sides. No. A healthy adult life is moderating through all of that shit. 